0: Or listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay, don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing.
1: And Rich Crange.
0: <laughs> I you. Who delivers I, this guy I, in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. agree. I agree.
1: All right, welcome once again to the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Grace, alongside, as always, the King of Banter and a very good family man, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening?
0: Wait a minute, come on, we've been talking for 45 minutes. I know.
1: <laughs> it's been quite a while. Hi, Joe. How is your night going?
0: <laughs> Jeez, what's happening? <laughs>
1: What's new? I can't, I,
0: I can't possibly. It's so inorganic. I mean, right, we've been talking for yeah. 45 minutes before you slap record. I'm not. I, I'm not repeating. I said hello to you 45 minutes ago. You know.
1: How are the college basketball games tonight? Joe? <laughs> that's fine because you know what. I wanted to get right down to business anyway. Um, last week on the show, you had mentioned uh, that the TLB had brought two even worse, even more horrendous signs into your household, including one that you 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 advertised to me. Was the worst thing she has ever brought in your house yet because we had yeah. laughter it was the live, laugh, love. There was a few just pretty terrible like Christmas decorations or whatnot. And I thought you were being facetious. I thought you were exaggerating. I thought you were lying when you said, no, this thing that she brought in is the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh, Joe, I, I had to bring it up. I'm sorry, but this is you've got to stage an intervention or something. Something has to be done about this.
0: I'm staring at it right now. It's hanging up in the room. So
1: for people that can't see, I guess what, it's up to you if we want to share this picture to the world later. It, it, it's totally up to you. Uh, but you can probably find this. I'm sure it's just some like thing that if you search up on on Amazon or whatever, it'll probably come up. But what essentially it is, it's a hanging sign with four different boards. They appear to be wood, some faux wood possibly. So it's a it, it's it's a hanging sign with four boards of of wood. And the first board says, "You're braver than you believe." The second board says. Yeah. And stronger than you seem, and the yeah. third board says, "And smarter than you think," and the fourth right. board says, "Loved more than you know."
0: Yes, <laughs> you gotta stop this, Joe. I'm staring right at it. This it's is a,
1: gone too far. This is gone too far. She's a lovely woman. You gotta stop this, though.
0: It's a great inspirational message. <laughs> um, so I made fun of this, and I sent pictures of it into the. Uh, the old office slack, and I think I posted it into the Patreon channel of the, uh, of the Discord. So if you pay $5 a month, you can see what this bad boy there looks like. Nice little sell. Um, But then TLB saw it on my phone. Caught. And she's like, Wait, is that the thing on the wall? And I was like, Yeah. I was like, You know, I make fun of you all the time. I, I take pictures <laughs> of, the, of the dumb things you have all over the house on the wall. Um, like the one right behind me, as a matter of fact, and I think I've showed you this one. This one says, "May your journey always lead you home." That's what this one says behind me. Um, but uh, I say, yeah, I always take pictures of these of these uh, dumb things, and and the other guys take pictures of the dumb things that their wives have hanging up all over the place. And we basically just laugh at you. You know, we laugh at you guys, and um, you're going to be sorry that you decided to do this bit. Because then she said, oh, well, that one. And she's talking about the one that you're referencing with the four pieces of wood there. With the Uh-oh. four,
1: Am I going to feel bad here in a minute?
0: You're going to feel horrendous. Oh, no. oh God. Go you ahead. know where she got this? You know where she got this? Oh, no. For donating to a children's cancer <laughs> charity.
1: Oh, I feel horrible.
0: Okay. And you didn't tell me you were doing this bit.
1: Oh, Jesus.
0: A children's cancer God, charity. And I then, this horrendous. was like this was like the gift for donating to the charity. <laughs> oh. So I was like, you know what? I mean, and then when you read the for- like read it again, it makes sense, You're right?
1: Graver than you believe, stronger than you seem, smarter than you think. And lo- yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Definitely. <is something. laughs>
1: Can be attributed to a dying child. All right. Boy, uh, that went backwards. Yeah, it really did. Let's okay. <laughs> that um, went a little
0: sideways. Uh, did. Wow. Good
1: Lord. Good Lord. Um, um
0: you should have picked the laundry one. I was You're about really,
1: to. I, Joe, it's funny. You should mention it. The other one I have on my screen right now, and I was gonna, I was gonna dunk on this one too. This one, I hope this one's just bought like this was just bought on Amazon or something, right?
0: This is a tchotchke, yeah, purchased somewhere. Yeah, okay,
1: absolutely. it's uh, there's some bubbles and then a basket, and it yeah. says life is like laundry. Dot dot dot. Loads of fun. Yes. So that one wasn't a cancer donation, right? Or that was just
0: ah uh, yeah, they're just um, it's just awful. That one <laughs> that had no- pretty bad too. Life is like laundry, loads of fun. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's good look. Nobody
1: likes laundry. No, get out of here.
0: No one likes laundry. Laundry is universally hated. But um, yeah, that adorns the laundry room in the house. That, that one that I posted there. You know, you haven't seen a fraction of them. I've only probably <laughs> shown you. Where did this um, come from? I don't, I don't even know where you would
1: acquire like this. Every day, there's like out. three others, right? Like, there's so many. I can't believe how many there are. Like, where are they? Do they go to storage? Does she throw them out when she's done with them? Like, what's like? how do you not know? Because like you, you always say, like, you just, like, walk in and a new one appears. Like, where did it come from? How did it get there? Where did the old one go? A lot of questions.
0: I don't ask those questions. I mean, they just appear. Some of them are seasonal. Um, we've got like a uh, this one gimmick in the living room. It's, it's, it's a little like decorative blackboard, and she writes a different chalk message on, on it depending on the time of year it is. Like the one here says, uh, Happy New Year 2020 with like some artwork designs that she did. I guess that one's got to change soon, right? It's, like the sixteenth. Yeah, we're getting like, a little. Yeah, getting
1: a little long in the tooth but, there. The problem is, like, what do you do from? I guess you can go Valentine's Day, but it seems a little early for that. This is the problem with late January. It's just kind of this in between period yeah. where.
0: I, I mean, I think I think we're gonna go val- I think she's gonna go Valentine's Day. You do the hearts with the little arrows through them and stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, yeah, gonna go Valentine's Day. Then work her way I, mean, out I know St.
1: How- Patrick's Day, Easter,
0: right on, right on through Mother's yeah. Day, all of them. Then, yeah, you, know then you get a
1: summer one or a spring one. You get a spring one. That's pretty good. Pretty easy.
0: Yeah, I, I remember last year. I think one of them just said summer with like a sun. Like, <laughs> well, hey. Yeah, like that kind of deal. Yeah. Hold on. Let me, get, let me snap a pic here. Hold on. Wait, get I'll get you for it. I'll text it right off. This old. is the
1: yeah. worst bit. I feel horrendous about this bit now. I, um...
0: This is the kind of stuff that never adorned my home until... Because I mean, I told you. Look, this was like a serial killer's layer.
1: <laughs> Blank <laughs> walls, empty rooms. Blank
0: walls, empty rooms. <laughs> right. Oh, that's a blurry picture. Hold on, let me try. Yeah, again.
1: Don't
0: Don't. over to me. Yeah, come on. There's other like decorative things around this too. There's like a. Um... All right, here we go. This is the best. I'm gonna. All right, I sent that off. Now, to you. did any of these uh,
1: were any of these for like you know an a, a, a animal care lead? Like I don't want to make fun of anything else. Now I feel I'm. I'm i can't make it broken down i feel terrible about making fun of any of these yeah. anymore it's like yeah. you know oh that's what i got for you know donating a thousand dollars to the you
0: know right 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 <laughs> yeah so th- i know but that's she saw it on my phone and told me that and i i was like wow i happy new
1: year <laughs> that's right oh, a little nice little birdhouse right there too
0: yeah you see the happy new year gimmick yeah, like that's, that's good. all yeah yeah okay Called oh, chalk art you know she does a little uh yeah so i don't like listen i don't know i, I just is what it is man you gotta you live with it go you with
1: got, got you gotta live with it it's it's part of the game yeah
0: that's what they do they that's how they decorate i don't i, I don't know what do you want from me it's for a kid's cancer charity <laughs> Yeah, that's
1: terrible that i feel horrid oh my god
0: and we're burying it over here but uh you know the worst thing now though is like you go to a museum or you go to like an exhibit or you go to like an aquarium and you know what the new grift is. When you walk in, they, they tell you, Oh, everybody get together. Let's take a picture. Right. And they take this picture of you when you get in the place. And then when you're leaving the place, they try to sell you the picture. Oh to. yeah. Yeah. Have you been hit? All
1: oh, time? of course. Yeah. Yeah. All the time.
0: I mean, it's, it's a, it's, 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 that's a, a, a you know, that's like the worst grift, but see TLB buys.
1: the. Pictures. Oh, see, I was going to say like, I luckily like no. N- we never buy those pictures. Like Michelle's, just like no. I'm not yeah. gonna fucking buy that terrible <laughs> picture of this idiot like that took it. But I get like the kid factor. Probably, probably plays a big thing in that. Where you're in there with the two kids, and it's like every moment must be cherished. Every moment must be remembered forever. So yeah, you're not gonna walk out of you know the 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 you know the aquarium without a picture of you four enjoying you know all the nice fish and sharks and whatnot. So um, you've, yeah, you've
0: got it. You've got a text, sir.
1: Another one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> is it you in that aquarium or something?
0: There it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> is the aquarium picture that we got hustled for for probably $49 <laughs> That's or That's a good picture, though. That's
1: a good feeling. Yeah. Everyone's looking. Everyone's good. There's dolphins in the background.
0: Look at the. See, zoom in on the forced smile on the girl. It's hilarious. I, okay, she, is that a forced smile? She knows smile? it's a grift. <laughs>
1: she, she knows she's gonna Yeah, she's like, How much is this picture she gonna be? $18? Get out of here. That's ridiculous. Like... She,
0: she's three and she knows it's a grift. She knows. You can tell by the forced smile, you know? But, uh, um, <laughs> that's a yeah. good
1: picture. Yeah. No, that's, I like that picture. So,
0: those, those are like all over the house too. So, that
1: you know. frame's a disaster, but that's all right. Yeah, the, the picture's fine. The frame's a disaster, but.
0: I I can't. Yeah, I don't know.
1: <laughs> hey, um, you got. You know what? You, you win so some. To... You stay up <laughs> until all hours of the night watching perusing Noah. She buys aquarium photos. It's you know.
0: It is what it visit is. to the aquarium. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the famous "You Had Me at Merlot" shirt too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're you're crying over there. (laughs) Yep. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen, this was your bit.
1: Oh God! It turned around. It it, it it was bad, and then it got good. Now it's now it's just fantastic, or it's terrible because it's just me <laughs> <laughs> to myself. Yeah, yeah. Now
0: oh now you've got God. forget it. You've got the laughs now, I and you can't, can't shake stop. them. Yeah.
1: And now because I'm laughing and making noise, like my one dog keeps trying to climb on me, like, oh, what's wrong? Like you're 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 not feeling well. You're crying. Yeah. I'm not. A, oh Jesus. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say. I was gonna say that the uh, Different. of all the museums, where would you rank the aquarium on, like the muse- in in the museum planetarium, art museum, like where where does the where does an aquarium rank in in, in the Joe Lanza uh, rank? Because I rank aquariums very highly.
0: Oh, I. Well, I- I love a good aquarium. Yeah. I'm into the fish.
1: Okay. Yeah, cause I, cause like in Chicago we have like our aquarium is like, elite. it's a great aquarium and like our museums are fine. Like people like them a lot, but I will always, I will never, ever, ever pass up an opportunity to go to the aquarium and, and, and the line to get into our aquarium is always like five hours long. It's ridiculous, you got to buy tickets way ahead of time and all that sort of shit uh, to get in because everybody knows that the aquarium is the elite one. So I was just curious if you uh, also agreed uh, with that as well. So
0: no nah, aquariums are the best. Yeah. They're fantastic. Big fan of the fish.
1: Hey, yeah, get nice. not always fish. fish. No, yeah, get- yeah. You got sharks in there. You got some otters. Will show up every so often. You got the dolphins. You know, there's a lot of good stuff that can come. Seals. in. Seals. Yeah, yeah. Some good old seals. It's everything's like well lit too. Alligators. There's, there's good lighting. There's you know exotic creatures from all across. Yeah. Whereas like, cause like, where, are you are you more of a, a an aquarium guy or a zoo guy? Because I feel like you can't be.
0: Both. I like them both.
1: Okay, you you, you do like. No, them both. I like
0: I like I like them both. I mean, you know the zoo depends on the time of year or two the worst is going to the zoo and they're like oh we're sorry but uh the cheetahs don't come out in november we got them <laughs> right, the know, aardvark that's, that's it's too
1: cold for you the know? aardvark so yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. what do you so, want them to
0: do fucking
1: tase them till they go out there like what are you gonna do
0: yeah like I, I came here to see some fucking cheetahs you know what i mean now you're telling me i can't see the cheetahs but uh you know you never re- really run into that problem with it with an aquarium because you know, it's all temperature controlled water and whatnot, so sometimes you do get screwed at the at the fucking at the zoo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so but but they're, they're fantastic. You know, anything with the animals is good. Not like any kind of museum. You I really can't, can't go wrong with a museum. Yeah,
1: right? yeah. Like we, you know, Art Institute is. We have the Art Institute in Chicago. It's like an art museum. It's it's fine. Um, that one I could probably put pretty low uh, on the rankings. And 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 most like kind of natural museums or history museums or whatever all depend on like how much effort is being put into it I like a good history museum but sometimes yeah. like you know the main one we have in Chicago they haven't updated in like years so it's like I've seen the same shit it's like oh it's King Tut's tomb and I'm like I saw this when I was eight like let's move it on here guys like we're done with the Egypt thing let's yeah. let's let's move on to a different thing here let's move on to a exi- different exhibit possibly but yeah so that kind of yes. Yeah. Anyway, all right. I, I, I had to blow through the You Had Me at Merlot shirts thing, and I think I have. So we're good. I think we can move on to the next uh, <laughs> chapter of this, this saga, whatever the hell this is here. On uh, This is a late-night recording, too, so things can get a little wild here. But we got, we got a ton to talk about here, a ton to talk about. Uh, we have... Impact Wrestling's Hard to Kill, pay-per-view. We're going to talk about that, review that. NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool 2. Of course, we're not going to forget about that. Noah had a big show uh, on the January 4th, January 5th. We're going to talk about those shows uh, as well. Evolve. Evolve is running this weekend, Joe, and we have a uh, – you've told me a little game to play. I know nothing about this game. I know nothing about the Evolve show, so I'm very curious uh, what this is all about. AEW has a new TV deal. Are we going to do a little check-in with WrestleMania weekend and see if it's been saved yet from the uh, – uh, garbage Wrestling, uh, Marty Skrull has a new ROH deal, and uh, unfortunately, we have to start with this news, a, just an unbelievable rash of pro wrestling deaths that have, has happened so far. Like You had mentioned on, on our office Slack that the Cauliflower Alley Club Twitter account, I had to unfollow it, because it was just literally, like, you scrolled, and the last, I don't know, 25 tweets, like, 18 of them were like about guys that had died in the last few well, weeks. There are- it was Unbelievable.
0: There were nine wrestling deaths in the first fifteen days of two thousand and twenty, so that's that's just crazy, you know that's more than uh you know one death every other day so um you know, but today's the sixteenth i guess nobody nobody died today, yeah so, <laughs>
1: we still have uh, a few hours, I guess but uh uh yeah, yeah. unfortunately, the big ones we want to talk about uh, i I think maybe we'll break these down into in the little mini segments, even though I don't think we have a ton to talk about. Uh, with a bunch of these guys, but I know earlier in the week uh, one of the big ones out of Japan uh, was Kendo Nagasaki, uh his his, his passing away and, and I don't really have I don't have any strong or any real big takes. I mean I know the guy I know the photos. I I, I know the I've seen a few matches, but I can't really talk, you know, with much you know expertise about Kendo Nagasaki. Can, can can you uh either
0: this is the American version of Kendo Nagasaki should be pointed out too, not the uh you know the British version right, of Kendo, right, Kendo right, Nagasaki. Right. Although they were, you know, they they were both stars, but yeah, um, you know, well before my time too
1: uh Rocky Johnson was another one that just came down yesterday and that that was pretty good news around the wrestling world because not necessarily because and unfortunately maybe not necessarily because of Rocky Johnson but because of course being the Rock's dad that that's a, a pretty big thing but people remember him he's a, he's a he's a well-known figure he's obviously he's been in the WWE Hall of Fame he's he's been on TV a lot in WWE and they they've always kind of talked about him largely because again like the Rock became you know the biggest wrestling star and now he's you know Hollywood's biggest star so anytime you know his father passes away or whatever that's big news but for like straight for wrestling fans or people that listen to the show or whatnot I, again like i don't he's kind of before you and i both of our times like i have seen a fair amount of his stuff but i again can't really speak to a, a, a ton of expertise about him i would say i, I would definitely recommend um this morning's uh, i'm recording uh, we're recording this on the 16th uh, as we said this morning's wrestling observer radio Uh, with Dave and Brian. Dave goes into like 35 minutes of Rocky Johnson's entire career, which is super fascinating. Stuff that I never knew, you know, just right off the top of his head telling you where he went to, what he did. He's in here, he's in Memphis, he's in Hawaii, he's doing this, all this sort of, like he did a fantastic job. He will do a far better job than you and I uh, could ever possibly do about Rocky Johnson. So if you want to, go back and listen to uh, uh, this morning's Wrestling Observer Radio, uh, wrestlingobserver.com, f4wonline.com if you want to listen to those. But uh, yeah, did you have any, uh, any, any Rocky Johnson sort of memories or anything that you wanted to talk about? Uh, with Rocky Johnson, or he, he was really before your time as well?
0: A little bit before my time. The tag team with Tony Atlas was 83. I was way too young to be watching wrestling in 1983. Um, his last real full year in WWF was 84. Um, I My first memories, really, of wrestling are around 85, and he was kind of being cycled out by then. And really, that was his last run in all of wrestling was really that 84 run that the, the 84 year with uh with WWF so my only exposure to Rocky Johnson was like watching was like renting and watching VHS tapes in the mid to late 80s you know with stuff from 83 and 84 it wasn't watching him in real time but I do remember watching a bunch of those tag matches with Tony Atlas um you know from from you know around 1983 or so but yeah that that's really my only frame of reference of rocky johnson
1: yeah i'm pretty low on on on, on you know rocky johnson expertise well i mean the most that i really remember of him was again unfortunately because uh, of you know the rock and and i remember you know WrestleMania 13 I went to that show in Chicago and, and, and yeah, that was one where, you know, Rocky Johnson appeared and he helped his son, you know, defeat the Sultan or whatever. And that's like, you know, I knew about him because they, they at that time would show clips. Hey, that's, there's Rocky Johnson and there's Peter Mayavia, and here's his, you know, the third generation superstar, Rocky Mayavia. And that's like pretty much all I knew about Rocky Johnson at that point is they would show clips, they would talk about how he's the father of The Rock and, and that was it. Like that's as far as I really knew. You know, I've went back and I've watched some stuff here and there, but yeah, again, like it's, it, it's not an era that I really seek out all that much. And it's an era that's, I, not that easy to seek out either that early 80s, you know, WWF stuff. And it's like a style that I don't really love either, even though he was, you know, of, I've, uh, of what I've seen is like he's a pretty fun worker. I would really like to go back and, and depending on how much of his stuff is available, he seems like a guy who at some points was a little ahead of his time, but, it, you know, also, you know, when you say ahead of your time and, and, and you talk about a guy, you know, in, in the mid 70s or, or, you know, early 80s WWF, like doing a head scissors was like, whoa, holy shit. Like, look at that guy. Like, that strong guy's doing a head scissors, but he was still a brick shithouse. He was still, a you know, a giant dude. He could just, like, You know throw drop kicks and do head scissors and, and at that time you know you know and and that's now slight against them that was a big deal uh in that era, especially in those territories and in that in the certain companies so it's like but again it's it, it's not a style that like. You know, I've, I've really sought out. It's not an era that I've really sought out as well. And then a lot of his other stuff is, you know, 70s California and, and, and Hawaii territory stuff. And it's like, yeah, that stuff's just not that easy to find. And it's not something that you're just going to kind of bump into and say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to watch, you know, all the, uh, all the old Olympic auditorium shows from L.A. in 1972. It's like it's not something that really you know, is top of mind or really is available to, to a lot of people out there either. So it is tough to kind of be an expert on Rocky Johnson unless you kind of grew up in that era, grew up where, you know, in the territories where he was big in.
0: I mean, he wrestled everywhere. I mean, you know, he, Florida, Portland, um, the St. Louis. Uh, you know, he he pretty much made his way through every major territory for the most part. Um, you know, even some uh, Memphis. Um, but but yeah, it, it's you're right. A, a lot of his stuff was in territories where you know the footage isn't isn't you know super readily available. That just just happens with some guys. You know, and it just, um, you know, it's just love. But but the, the early 80s WWF stuff, I mean, that's out there. I mean, he's on the network quite a few times, I think. I mean, I don't think there's like dozens and dozens of matches. But, you know, if you wanted to find some Rocky Johnson on the network, you could. I, I, I know that you could. I know for sure I've seen at least a couple of Rocky Johnson matches on the network. So and, and he's the kind of guy that the network might do something for. Right. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, if, if there's a Rocky Johnson collection at some point, you know, later this week or early next week, uh, with some of those tag bouts with, with, uh, Tony Atlas and, 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 uh, yeah, he worked a ton of MSG shows and there's footage of Rocky Johnson that they, um, without question have access to just within their own library, let alone whatever else they own, uh, from elsewhere that they can that they can throw in there too but um he's definitely the kind of guy i could see um you know just with the rock connection alone uh where where they would uh maybe put something up in in the coming days
1: right yeah i'm i'm looking right now if you do if you do a search of rocky johnson on you know their horrendous search function uh you have to filter through a lot of rock matches but you can get to it eventually and a lot of it is because like you know Rocky Johnson came down to the ring with you know the rock, so oh. there's a lot of that in there. But there, there's a, there's quite a few if you scroll and, and, and look at matches, yeah. I think there's 31 matches total. But I don't know, yeah, none of not all of these are him, but uh, there's a pretty good amount that I'd, I'd say about 20 of these uh, are, are either uh singles matches with him or you know tag matches with him. And uh, there's one of him and Andre the Giant versus Dan Morocco and, and Big John Stud. Uh, there's Rocky Johnson and Pedro Morales versus Ivan Koloff and Mr. Saito. That sounds pretty cool. Um yeah, there's some single matches here. There's uh, Rocky Johnson, Volkoff, uh, Rocky Johnson, David Schultz, uh, Black Demon, and Rocky Johnson is on there, too. So, yeah, anything that took place, it looks like, yeah, Philly, uh, Madison Square Garden. So there's a few, but like you said, they're they're probably sitting on a lot, too, uh, that that I'm sure someone got a memo. Hey, you know, whatever you have Rocky Johnson-wise that's digitized, you know, let's throw it up there. Let's get a collection going. And, and, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what they do for him. And and, and, and he's a guy, I, you know, I'd like to watch a little bit more of uh, just because, yeah, it's nobody I've really sought out. So it's maybe a good weekend to kind of. Watch those matches. I mean, they're not going to be long matches. There's not going to be a whole lot in there, but it'd be good to you know familiarize myself a little bit with his career.
0: I mean, there's you know there, between the MSG and Philly shows that you're talking about, which are always filmed, um, then the Allentown tapings that you know they still uh, uh, you know have access to, and um, you know he was a tag team champion uh, multiple times. There's title matches that uh, yeah he, he held the. Well, I, I guess he only held the WWF titles with, with Tony Atlas once. Now that I think about it. Um, and that, that was either 83 or 84 or ran from 83 to 84. But, um, but yeah, you know, they had definitely had a match against the wild Samoans that I 1 million percent have seen, um, you know, multiple times. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just a ton. I mean, you know, he worked those Allentown tapings, I'm sure for, for, uh, for years and years, and all that stuff's on tape. So j- just with their own footage alone, they can put something together. So we'll see if they do it.
1: Yeah, and as far as, like, you, you know, he was on the Wrestling Observer ballot twice. So he, he first came on in 2008. Uh, he fell off in 2009. He got back on in 2015. Uh, and as of last year... Well, he's still on the ballot, actually. This year, he was still on the ballot, uh, but only got 23% in the historical uh, U.S. and Canada region. So, yeah, he's a guy that... And I think if we when, we've, when we have talked about that region as well, he's a guy that I don't think anybody really... Um, Goes out of the way to, I mean, yeah, a, a good wrestler, you know, a good guy for his era. But, yeah, it feels like most people that even, you know, lived through the era would probably not put him in, you know, the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. He's in the WWE Hall of Fame, but, like, I mean, we know what the score is with that, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they won the titles from the Wild Samoans in Allentown. And that's a match that was on, I think, multiple early Coliseum video releases. I know I've seen that match, like, a bunch of times when I was a kid. Uh, you know, and then they held the titles. I'm looking it up now through early '84. You know, so you're you're talking into the early uh, Hulkamania era. You know, because they defended against people like uh, Orndorf and Piper. You know, on house shows and a lot of matches with the Wild Samoans. Uh, so you know, and then and then he stuck around. We were talking about off air into early 85, but he wasn't pushed. You know, by that point, he was like a prelim guy working singles matches early on house shows. And he lasted into the summer, but obviously he wasn't at WrestleMania. They didn't put him on the WrestleMania 1 show. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was bouncing between WWF and other territories in 85 also. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is why they were just using him as a prelim guy in singles. Because Tony Atlas, after that tag run, was in and out of the company like He'd come in for six months, do something stupid, come in for three more months, then go somewhere like Tony Atlas was, was in and out. And, and after that team broke up, they didn't really have, I know Rocky Johnson teamed with SD Jones a little bit, um, after Tony Atlas had left the first time. And it seemed like they didn't really have a role for him. And then once he left WWF for good in 85, he really didn't have a significant run anywhere else. But, um, that's as intelligently as I can talk about them because like you said, I don't go back to the seventies and and a lot of those territories are not territories that I am super familiar with. Right. So, it was
1: interesting, you know, Dave um, was talking about on on observer radio this morning, the, the, uh, I had a run in Memphis in, like, the late 80s, early 90s. I want to say I forget the exact years. And they they promoted him as a boxer. They basically were just like, hey, you don't know who Rocky... J- it's a, it's one of these, like, relics of the territory era where, like, you couldn't do this anymore. But, like, they were just like, hey, this guy's not a wrestler. He's a boxer. And he was, like, a trained boxer for, for many, many years. He, you know, he was a sparring partner of Muhammad Ali and stuff like that. So it was, like, legit that he, you know, was... he, But they had him come in as, like, a guy that didn't know any wrestling and was only a boxer. And then eventually they had him, like, learn how to wrestle. Hey, this boxer is really t- take into wrestling. Let's teach him how to wrestle. That was his gimmick was he was like a boxer turned wrestler, uh, which I find just fascinating because like, again, like this guy was like working, you know, at Madison Square Garden, you know, months prior, years prior or whatever. But yeah, in Memphis, they didn't know that. <laughs> you know what I mean, they didn't know that you know, Rocky Johnson was a former WF tag team champion or whatever. It's just amazing uh the borders that were up before in, in, in you know, the early <laughs> days of wrestling where you forget now where it's like, it's implausible. And yeah, she right. would just be like, no, hey, this guy doesn't know how to wrestle. And it's like, yeah, he does. We just saw him. He's, you know, you can do a character but nobody would believe it. Nobody would buy it. But here it was was. Like Hook, and Saker. Hey, that boxer looks like good. He's that boxer can be a wrestler. He's like a former, you know, champion. He'd been wrestling for 20 years or whatever at that point. So,
0: yeah, forget just Mass Square Garden. He was a headliner all over the country, you know, for years and years before that. But, you know, pre internet, and you really the only way you would know it is if you were like a newsletter reader, which were like the smarks of the day, I guess. And it's like, yeah, you can pull that off. And how would your fans be any wiser? I mean, Rich, that, that was the days where. In a lot of those territories, including Memphis, you would do the same show in every town on the loop, including the same title change in every town (laughs) because again, how would, how would anyone know? So they would just, they would do like a tag title change seven straight days in every town, you know? And then when you get to TV... You know, the new champions would be there with the belts or whatever, but it's like, it was a totally different time where you can pull shit like that off easily. You know, it's, it's, you went to the shows in your town and that's it. That's all you knew, you know, for the, for the most part, if you were just a casual fan who went to the matches. So I could totally see how they could pull that off and treat him like he was just some guy off the street who was a pro boxer. So, um, yeah, wildly different times.
1: And then there is Leparka, which I guess we said, you know, it's wild. You can't just, like, say that one guy's one thing and one guy's another. Well, here's a man who um, was the second Laparca. This is not, of course, L.A. Park. This is LaParka. But what's interesting about this Leparka is that he took the role that was already been done and already became, you know, kind of a star with the original Leparka, the, the current L.A. Park or whatever, and kind of made it his own. And and I think one of the most interesting things about, you know, um, the unfortunate death of Laparca is that, uh people were asking you know LA Park and he had to clarify no 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 you know it's obviously it's it's not me it's it's you know the other Parka or whatever and and the thing that was interesting is is people kept saying okay well now you can go back and you can be Parka again and i think there was a quote and i forget exactly what the the words are i'm paraphrasing here a little bit but LA Park was kind of like well no i can't because like nobody can nobody can be that Parka character like Parka was and i'm like man that's so you know what i mean like there's the original Parka. Who who made that character everything saying like, nah, you know, I, I don't know if I can go back and, and, and redo that. Like that guy did so much with that character that it's kind of he kind of made it his own. And I think that's the interesting and fascinating thing about this La Parca is that, you know, despite being a ripoff of L.A. Park or whatever. He ended up like, you know, making it a long career, making it a thing that mattered and 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 becoming kind of a a, a full cure into his I, into his own, which is tough. Like that's like, you know, the fake Razor Ramon becoming like a legend in WWF. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're like, yeah, you know, whatever. That that Razor Ramon's better than the original Razor Ramon. Like, and that's not saying that LA Park is is, is better than L.A. Park or or that L.A. Park is better than LA Park or whatever, but just the idea that he was able to kind of take that character, kind of make it his own and and, and make it as legendary as the original one is is, is a testament to his skill as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, he definitely, um, you know, got his version of it over. Um, you know, totally different. And they had a feud, too. Don't forget that they, they feuded with each other, you know, a few years ago. Eventually, they they did business. But, um, yeah, it was more of a, a, you know, kid's character. You know, his version of it. But um, with the dancing and everything. But, what, I mean, this, and make no mistake, just because it was... Several weeks or even several, I mean, I don't know when the, 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 the dive, when, when was that dive? Yeah, so we, I, uh, I
1: don't, I forget if we talked about the dive on, on this. I believe it was, I, so. I want to say November or October was when the dive was. I, I'll find out so exactly, one, but it,
0: well, it was a so while. That's, okay, well that, so either way you're talking about, I mean, this is an in-ring death. I mean, because his death was the direct result of an accident.
1: Yeah, match, October. Th- I thought it was know? late October 21st. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah, October 21st. And, and yeah. we had, we had reports that like, he's not surviving the night. Like that, that, you know, everyone, the tweets out there were like, oh, this is, this isn't good. He's done like this, this, you know, maybe they'll get him long enough for like friends and family to see him, but, but he's not lasting. And, and it's, unbe- I mean, it's, it's, I guess, a testament that, that he was able to live as long as he was but yeah, October 21st, uh, 2019 is when the dive happens. So, um, Roosh was actually in the ring. He was the opponent that he was trying to dive after there. So,
0: Yeah. And it's, I mean, we talk about it all the time. I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's, there's going to be more of these. I mean, wrestling is very dangerous. And this was a, I guess, 56 year old man who was not in the best shape. And, you know, this, it's not like he never performed that move. But, you know, it only takes one minor mistake. And, uh, uh, you know, he, this is the, this was essentially an in-ring death. Um, he, just, he didn't die that night, but he died as the result of uh of that bad dive. So yeah, it's horrible to see. But you know, I think as fans, you just have to accept that. Unfortunately, every couple of years, something like this is going to happen. Um, it's terrible, you know, because we hadn't heard anything for so long. I kind of forgot about it, honestly. Um, I hadn't been thinking about Laparca for for weeks, and then you know, it just popped up that he didn't make it. So just a terrible story and a long string of them. I mean, a lot of these guys who have died recently were older guys and it was, I, I suppose it was their time. Um, you know, but you got Rocky Johnson and, 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 uh, his age varied depending on reports. I guess, you know, he was either somewhere between 75 and 78 or 79, depending on the source, you believe. Um, you know, La Parca, you know, he died as a result of an in-ring accident. Um, know kendall nagasaki his was awful i mean supposedly his pacemaker malfunctioned.
1: yeah 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 because then what was interesting is there was a lot of people that were uh or obviously in japan uh over wrestle kingdom weekend and 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 there was even a a group of people that i saw had a photo with him that weekend so like like yeah five days ago or whatever they're taking photos with this guy and 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 yeah he had his pacemaker and it like and that's a very real thing that can happen with those but yeah it just malfunctions and if it does your heart doesn't beat. You know what I mean? Like your heart misses a beat. You have a heart attack and, and you're done. It's just like, Oh my God, Jesus. Like, you know, that, that's, that really, that's one where, where again, it, you, you know how you're always in that fear of death. That's like something that, you know, it just happens. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's nothing you can do to control that. Just the thing that has been sort of put in your body to, to, to help you live doesn't work. And then you're dead. And it's just like, Holy fuck, Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? It's, it's, Eye opening. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> Pampero Furpo, I mean, he lived a long life. I think he was 89. And his, his daughter does a great job on Twitter, uh, you know, putting up clips. And, and she's been doing that for years. Uh, the Pampero Furpo 1 Twitter account, which I believe we follow, um, you know, so there's a lot of old clippings and, and match listings and stuff. And that's, she announced his death. And then uh, Charlie Cook died. And then John Ian, uh, that was an untimely death. Southern California, Um, you know, industry person, uh, ring announcer, promoter. Um, I I think he had been ill, but this was a person. He was in his 40s or something, right? Maybe in his 30s, 30s or 40s. Which,
1: yeah, I I saw. Yeah, I forget the exact age, but it was. Yeah, it was not. It was an old. It was not old.
0: And Andrea Hart died as well. And um, you know that the I think she died at the end of last year, but it wasn't announced until um, you know early 2020. And that was uh, Bruce Hart's wife, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah, and, and, and then, uh, then, or ex-wife, I think. Dwarf. Yeah,
1: I think, I think ex-wife. I forget what the the situation was, but yeah, at some point was a wife of of um, uh, Bruce Hart.
0: And that young luchador, and I don't even know the details of this one, but that Vaquero D. Tejas Jr., I think he was like twenty three. I saw that I one know. too. Yeah, I know
1: I didn't know any of the details about that, and I, I, I didn't get a chance to look that up. But yeah, I was kinda as I was unfortunately scrolling the Cauliflower Alley Club uh, to try to get as many of these, you know, down on paper, yeah, I saw that one and I was like, Ooh, okay. I I and uh, unfortunately I don't know anything else about that one, but yeah, you don't really ever want a twenty three year old to die. So that's
0: Yeah, no matter the circumstance, you know. So, yeah, I mean just the an unusual string. I think for a while there, it was like five straight days and five straight deaths. Mm-hmm. So, um, terrible way to start the show. Kids <laughs> it's and, uh, I know, this
1: is terrible. Well, there's life. The rest of the show is all about life because, uh, I guess it, <laughs> I, I I don't want to do like a cheeky transition between wrestler deaths and, uh, another topic, but, uh, uh, Marty Skrull bringing life back to Ring of Honor, Joe. <laughs> oh, God
0: terrible i hate myself yeah, for that you know. I,
1: I said it i qualified it i don't want to do it i didn't want to do it but it was you bad.
0: should hate yourself it's all that it was horrendous <laughs>
1: it was really bad but let's talk about it. marty scrolls got a new deal uh, with the ring of honor um, first off how big of a surprise is it joe that marty scrolls signed with the ring of honor even though um, and you can give yourself a backpack take a little victory lap we mentioned that that'd be our favorite destination for him to end up or, or we said that'd be the destination that we think is probably most likely for him to end up in and <laughs> guess what there he is
0: yeah, when we handicapped it, we said that that'd be the most likely landing spot. Uh, and then as time passed, it just looked like it was more and more of a lock. I mean, just a little hints. Uh, like we had mentioned at the time, taking Ring of Honor bookings uh, after his contract had already expired was a show of good faith. Uh, popping up in the NWA was an eyebrow raiser. And, uh, but, but the bottom line is, news came out, that's Restain, and it sounds like he got a tremendous deal. You know, big time money, the ability to work in other places and depending on, you know, which version of the report you want to believe and depending on who's leaking what information, um, you know, at minimum, he's a major part of the, uh, of the booking team. And at maximum, he's, he's the guy in charge. So, um, but we've already seen ripple effects of his influence. you know, Nick Aldis showing up in ring of honor. It's not an accident. I mean, it's, it's, you know, that is a direct result of Marty Skrull helping to repair the relationship, which had grown ice cold between the NWA and ring of honor. When Dave Logana um, you know, uh, left ring of honor. Cause you know, he was employed by both promotions for a while there when they were working closely together. Uh, when he stopped working with Ring of Honor, it's kind of those two promotions um, went their own ways and we're no longer working together, you know? So then uh, Marty Scurll shows up at the NWA tape. He shows up at Into the Fire and, and, and the taping the next day. And then, uh, you know, it, it, it leads you to believe, Rich, that Scurll had a deal with Ring of Honor for some time. And either it wasn't finalized until now or it wasn't reported as finalized until now because there's way too much smoke to a lot of the fire that we've seen since. Um, You know, and and we know for a fact that he helped repair that relationship between the NWA and ring of honor. And, you know, Dave Meltzer's report and other people have reported that squirrel is working to repair the new Japan relationship with ring of honor, as that has grown icy to say the least over the last six to eight months. And, you know, he's even going to take a shot in the dark and, Try to get something worked out between Ring of Honor and AEW. I don't necessarily see what the motive, you know, why Tony Khan would think that that's beneficial to him in any way whatsoever. But could it hurt to sit down at a table with the guy and see if you could hammer something out? No, of course not. The worst that could happen is you leave the meeting and there's, you know, and you're still not working together and don't have any, you know, but it can't hurt to try. Right. Uh, But we've already seen, you know, it's like, New Japan had done nothing, nothing with Ring of Honor for months and months and months. And now all of a sudden, all this New Japan talent is working Supercard of Honor WrestleMania weekend. I mean, could it be a coincidence? Sure. Could these deals have been set in stone uh, you know, long before March? But here's the thing. That's – see, I think Skrull may. They have been in his new position longer than we think. And we're just hearing about it now because he never stopped working for ring of honor. Right. And he, was and, a and champion. he was a champion that whole time. They never <laughs> been-
1: right. Exactly. And I think the other problem too, is, is the speed at which we've seen things happen. Like I don't, and, and we're going to talk about this a little bit. I don't believe like for, I, I don't believe that he signed pen to paper this week and then got down to business and booked the WrestleMania weekend show, got Jay White and Will Ospreay to come in, got Nick Aldis to come in, ended up the, you know what I mean? Like, there's so much, like, the idea that all this happened in one week, like, they were just sitting and nothing was happening, and then he signed, and then they went, okay, all right, now, Marty, what do you want to do? And he said, hey, here's what we're going to do here. We're going to do these five things right away. Like, there's no way that, that those things weren't in the plans a little bit. And maybe not officially pen to paper, but at least a written, a verbal, a, a, a handshake agreement or whatever, because some of this stuff was probably going to take a little while to get you know, in place and, and get things rolling. But then when he officially put pen to paper, it was like, okay, now we can officially go forward with a lot of these things. But yeah, I don't believe that like, you know, nothing was happening. And then he sat down at a table and said, hey, why don't we book Will Ospreay for Supercard of Honor? And they went, great idea, Marty, let's do it. Like, like they had to be in the works for for a little bit longer. But
0: yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. It didn't all come together in the last week. But you can kind of there's other clues too. I mean, it's really weird that you know the collective Moved the For the Culture show off of Thursday afternoon to Friday night, right? And then replaced it with another show, the Texas Forever show. And then two weeks later, the WrestleCon side announces that there's going to be a New Japan show Thursday afternoon. It's a giant red flag to me because the For the Culture show is set to be one of the big shows for the collective, WrestleMania weekend. It already has a ton of hype. And I feel like the New Japan show didn't come together until maybe mid to late February. And then the Collective, they got that For the Culture show out of Dodge. They don't want to go head to head with New Japan with that show. They want to, you know what I mean? So I feel like now that could just be me connecting dots, but it's something I was thinking about today. You know, and it's definitely
1: weird because For the Culture was one of the first ones that they announced that entire weekend. And it's the one that I would say that's got the most muscle behind it. I would say that that show you know, if I was going WrestleMania weekend, that would be a surefire one that I'm going to. That looks like an awesome show.
0: Well, outside of Janela and Bloodsport, it's easily their most hyped show Absolutely. for that corner of WrestleMania weekend. So it's like, and, and, it's go, and, it's a, and the show is going to be a big deal. And it's like they had this cozy spot on Thursday afternoon, and then mysteriously it got moved. And then I found out, you know, before the fact from Justin Bissonette that they were putting the Texas forever show in that slot you know, before it was announced. And he was like, Hey man, I'm, I'm going to be running mania weekend. And I was like, let me guess you're getting that Thursday spot. Cause that had been vacated. They pulled, they moved for the cold. And it's like now two weeks later, we find out new Japan is running a show in that spot. And it's like, it seems to me there were some wheels in motion. There is all I'm saying, you know, it's like, oh, well, shit, we don't want this big shit, this big time show we're trying to put together is for the culture. Going head to head with fucking New Japan, you know. So we'll stick these new guys who have never run before, you know. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll give them the spot and we'll get Ford Culture out of here. And and you know, and and put and again, that could just be me. But but all of it to me, it's like maybe the New Japan thing didn't come together until mid to late February for WrestleMania weekend, and then it's like, well, if New Japan's gonna have guys there anyway, and 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 maybe. Marty Scurll has been working on this throughout December to try to get those guys onto the Supercard of Honor because New Japan and Ring of Honor had not they had not been working together at all. There was no Ring of Honor team on the World Tag League Tour. And I think the last time there was a Ring of Honor presence in New Japan, and what, Marty Scurll and Super Juniors? I mean, there was no one in G1, right?
1: I think, who was the Super Junior Tag League? Wasn't it... Um... It was someone, but it was kind of loose, if I remember correctly, wasn't it? um... Or there wasn't. Yeah, there wasn't in the Super Junior Tag no, League either, wasn't. right? Yeah, so yeah. I think it would have been. It would have been. It would have been Gresham in the in the Super Juniors, right? Marty was the surprise, I Skrull. believe. Yeah, and Marty
0: Skrull. Was he in the? I series? think Marty was in it too. Yes, he was. He had the horrible match with. um... Oh,
1: right, the Chi Skrull match, the one that just ended. Yeah, it just ended ten yeah, minutes ago. And, and, yeah.
0: Skrull, and Skrull always retained a very good relationship with New Japan, and um to me, it's just too coincidental. I think, and, and you know, and, and it's his, it's his idea to run the free show in Baltimore. And you know, it's just, the I, the plan is just to get, try to get as many people in the building as possible. I mean, you can see changes already is the point. The NWA relationship is fixed. The new Japan uh, situation looks to at least be moving towards uh, 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 some big changes and, and being fixed the free show in Baltimore. So uh, what's the common denominator? What's the only thing that's changed? You know, him getting a promotion. Nothing else has changed. So, and these are all things that he had reportedly uh, been working on. So, you know, we'll see. You know, and then you know, as far as you know, in rank cause that people forget it's not just the booker's job to put matches together. It's all of these things, relationships with other promotions, wrestlers that you're going to put on your shows, long term directions, and yes, who's winning the matches on, on that's that's almost the smallest part of the job, but it's the one that everybody hyper focuses on. You know, who's winning and losing the matches. But it's it's such a bigger job than that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, especially at this level, at the Ring of Honor level. Like I, I, I know firsthand you know, I've been to shows and seen delirious running back and forth and and talking to his media guys and talking to the camera guys and talking to his social media guys and it. like that guy, he they run the show basically on, on that day. Yeah, he decides who wins and loses, loses or whatever. But yeah, there's so much more of that. It's building wrestler relationships, it's it's maintaining wrestler relationships, maintaining relationships with other companies, as you said, just becoming the really being being the the, the 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 office face, the corporate face, whatever you want to call it, of that company. That's the job. And that and that's what it is. And and, and like again, I don't want to do this thing like uh, we, we often wrestling do like the after this point when this guy got hired or whatever, everything good, oh, it must have been from that guy. But it's hard not to give Marty a lot of credit for this because we see where Ring of Honor was the the last year and, and, the, and the, the momentum that overall Ring of Honor has had uh, and the lack of momentum, really, that, that they've had over the last year, the last real handful of years as well. You know, the elite leave at, at the end of or the beginning of last year, you know, yes, they do the brash of immediate signings or whatever, and it's like, okay, there's some life there. We get Bandito, we got Jeff Cobb, we got these sort of guys, and then MSG happens and then the rest of the year, they were basically just a non-entity. The relationships with other companies seem to falter and become absolutely nothing. You know, they kind of became a laughing stock in terms of the way they were booking, the new talent they were bringing, all that sort of stuff. So it's hard not to think, you know, hey, look at what's going on in the last week. Like, I don't think Ring of Honor, I don't think we've talked this positively about Ring of Honor in years. And even in the days when they were doing really well, a lot of us, I mean, a lot of the topics that you and I were talking about were, well, geez, they know that the elite are going to leave at some point, right? Like, are they ready for that? I mean, that's that's our show that we did for the last three years is looking up looking up and down that roster and saying, all right, let's take the Young Bucks and and, and Cody and, and, and Kenny and all the New Japan guys out of here. What do you have left? You know, what's left? What, what, what The corpse of this company is, 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 you know, there's nothing left here once the elite leaves. So that was kind of the topic for a while. And now we at least have a new topic here. The topic is, okay. We're starting it. We're, we're building those relationships back up, and and we're and and those are. Go- I mean, for Ring of Honor, where they're at right now, as long as they don't become over reliant on New Japan, like they were during a lot of the delirious. Days, which again, I'm not going to discredit him for doing That's I, I have no issues with him saying, Hey, look, book some new Japan talent and sell out all of these arenas or whatever. Who cares? Like, that is it was good business and it got them to the biggest business they've ever had or whatever. It's just there was never that next step. There was never that next plan. There was never the okay, who are the next guys up? Who, who you know, wh- wh- what are we doing with the talent on the way in and whatnot? And, and, and yeah, now I think. Hopefully that there's a little bit more. There's just a new voice in there. There's a new energy in the arena and in the building or whatever, and, and and you can feel it. You can feel it in the first week that that he's you know technically took over this job, and hopefully you can feel it for you know the next few years. He's he signed out for two more years, and yeah, hopefully there's there's better talent acquisition. I hope there's better training. I hope there's more relationships done with companies all across the world. Like we we know that Ring of Honor is better than what they've been in the last year, and and it finally looks like okay. Maybe we're on that right track again, and 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 Marty might be the one spearheading it, which is, is is pretty cool to see too.
0: In all of my wild rambling and speculation, the bottom line is I feel like he's probably been in this new position longer than we all think. Is basically what I'm getting at. And it's a new voice in the room and an American promotion. What's the other thing we always complain about? It's oh, it's been the same people running American wrestling. For for how many years? And this is another new voice. You know, someone who has never been in a position of power in American wrestling. and, And look, maybe he'll be a shitty booker. I have no idea. But at least it's someone different who will presumably have some different visions. And we're already seeing some positive changes. And as far as Marty Skrull, I mean, the guy has, we've talked about this for years too. He always seems to make the right business move. He is a very crafty businessman. And even in the face of when you when people have thought he's made the wrong move, like leaving Evolve for Ring of Honor, he got killed for that in real time. People forget because at the time, that was when Evolve was peaking and had all those names and they were, you know, shuffling people off to NXT. And it's like, what the hell would you leave them for to go sign with Ring of Honor? Remember, they were pushing Marty Scurll. You know, he tapped out, I think he tapped out Tim Thatcher at WrestleMania weekend. And, and I he left. He went to Ring of Honor, you know, and people thought he was nuts. And then what happened while he was at Ring of Honor? He got hooked up with the elite and he had the, and, and, and he got hooked up with New Japan and he, and he had the best, you know, he had the big two year run and became a much bigger star for it, you know? And we've always talked about how Skrull was very smart on the come up to always sign short contracts. He never locked himself in. He would sign six month deals and eight month deal. And it's like, He would never lock himself in for a long time because then he would leave his options open. That's how he was able to get out of Evolve and go to Ring of Honor in the first place because he had a very short-term contract with Evolve, and and it was the perfect time to jump to. And he saw the writing on the wall and had the foresight, made the right business move, and went to Ring of Honor and hooked up with those guys and hooked up with New Japan. He's always been a very crafty businessman, and we've always given him credit for that. And he got himself the perfect sweetheart deal. He got himself a big six-figure contract the freedom to work wherever the hell he wants, an office position, and how was he able to do that? Because it is a seller's market because of AEW. Mm-hmm. And this is what we talked about when AEW uh, you know, became a company, whatever it was, last year or whatever. This was going to be uh, a boon, especially to star wrestlers because now they call their own shots. Look at the deal he shook out of them. And don't think for one second it wasn't because he he had other uh, he had an obvious option with AEW he had an he had a, a potential option with New Japan and WWE we talked about it at the time you know because you have that leverage look at the deal they put out and AEW I don't blame them for not matching that they would have had to give him a big six money deal six figure deal when it, there's already talk that they're at their 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 talent budget limit and they're being very smart not to overspend on their on their talent budget okay you would have had to break your talent budget. You would have had to give him an office position and you would have had to give him freedom to work elsewhere. A W wasn't going to give him that. And I don't, and I don't blame a, I don't blame con for not giving him that. Right. Yeah.
1: We're we're seeing a lot of that talk there. Like, ah, AW really blew this. That's a friend of the elite that goes over to ring of honor. Like, no, I think that's a, a, to me, that's a a good deal for them to go. You know what? You got all that from ring of honor. Have fun, Marty. Well, maybe in two years, we'll talk, enjoy your time. Like, You walk away from the table there. You walk away from the table from that because, you know, that's a sweetheart deal. And he got it because Ring of Honor is desperate to not lose him. And he had the leverage of AEW. Hey, my buddies are running this company over here. And, oh, hey, there's WWE. That's over there. I can always go there. So Ring of Honor goes, okay, here's our best offer. Everything we can offer to you. Office job, two-year deal, six-figure, you know, work anywhere else, call the shots, you know, literally call your own shots or whatever. Nobody else can offer that. So, yeah, you'd be stupid, A, not to take that deal. And AEW would be stupid to match that deal. There's no way they're going to do that.
0: And forty dates a year—it's an easy schedule in Ring of Honor, and it's like—and it affords him all that time to work the other places that he now contractually can work for, and it's like, yeah, look, Ring of Honor uh, was in position to make him the best offer, and they did, and 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 you know, and he was wise to take it, and AEW was wise not to match it. I don't think there's any losers here. I mean, I think it would have been, you know, AEW wasn't going to make—they're going to add another executive vice president to the mix. I mean, they have enough executive vice presidents. Okay. They're out of office spots. So he got one with, who were in a perfect position to offer them all of that because they need a shake up anyway in their, in their, in their frontal. It was just, this is just the perfect storm for everybody. So uh, great job by Marty, great job by ring of honor and great job by AEW, uh, not jumping in and trying to match. And obviously WWE wasn't going to match something like that, if, whether they were interested or not. Um, and New Japan wasn't gonna make. So you know, it's just a it's just a good job all around by Ring of Honor to lock down a guy who's one of their biggest stars to ensure that he wasn't gonna make that jump.
1: Yeah, which, well, well, go, go I mean, ahead, sorry.
0: Imagine if he had. I mean, imagine if he did end up in AEW with all of the negative momentum that Ring of Honor had. I mean, this signing, like you said, it just it changes the tone at least for now. I mean, they still have to put up. You know, they still gotta. Uh, they still have to show us that they're making some positive changes from what was inarguably the worst era of the company from the second the MSG show ended until the second they announced signing Marty Skrull. That was the worst eight months or whatever it was in the history of that company. And, uh, you know, now, look, there's some, po- like you said before, now there's some positivity flowing through.
1: Yeah. And and the one company I I mentioned, you know, when we talked about this weeks ago was was New Japan of America was one that I was like, all right, well, if they're serious about this America thing, like Marty's a great get. And in a way, though, and I do wonder, I'm sure he went to the table with that. I'm sure he discussed something with them because this ability for him to work Ring of Honor, but also work other dates. And then the real quick softening of the relationship between Ring of Honor and New Japan leads me to believe that maybe. We, I wouldn't, would you be shocked to see Marty show up in one of those New Japan of America shows at some point or show up for a G1 or show up for a, a, a New Japan Cup or something like that? Like, I wouldn't be shocked no, whatsoever, I think, I think, and I think that's a big reason think, why he probably took this deal.
0: Yeah, all things New Japan are on the table, obviously. Right. You know, because, uh, you know, obviously the, the relationship – now, Harold May insisted – that the relationship was never completely dead. And we all left because we're like, yeah, but you never use their wrestlers anymore. And your wrestlers never work their shows anymore. But you're telling us that the relationship isn't dead. Well, Well, even that makes more sense now because these talks were probably going on this whole time. This is why I think Skrull, it, it, it probably was in this position a lot longer than we think.
1: Right, right. Maybe he said, hey, don't say anything official. I haven't put pen to paper yet, but it looks like I'm going to be the booker, so you're going to deal with me moving forward. And and yeah, whatever old hat things you had or whatever, any, any beef that you had with Delirious or the old office or whatever, hey, go through me from now on or whatever. And and that would make Harold May say, yeah, you know what? No, it's not totally dead, I guess. so."
0: He obviously repaired the NWA thing before it was announced. Right. Because, because he was there and he's got all this showing up in, in Ring of Honor shows and that was all before the deal was in it so you know I, you know you gotta put two and two together here sometimes so uh, you know this is uh, and, and and honestly I think it's good for the wrestling business that he's staying in Ring of Honor oh absolutely you know, you know no, I,
1: of all places that he could go. I was kind of hoping for Ring of Honor because a it keeps Ring of Honor healthy and alive because really like you said if if he leaves Ring of Honor it's like all right what are you guys really doing here like what's going on with this company like you're not investing in, in in talent you're letting your biggest stars go like that would feel like the nail in the coffin if Marty is gone and and this New Japan thing isn't repaired and and the NWA thing never happens and and Marty's now out on the door out it's like all right we well, you got you know you got Roosh you got Dragon Lee and you got PC like but. You're right back to you know July of 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 last year, which is just like all right, like you kind of just just there. You're just kind of content, and 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 now for the first time in, in a while, like we we heard at the end of last year, a lot of like well, you know, predictions of people saying, look, I could see Ring of Honor getting sold in the next year. I could see Ring of Honor just selling their tape library to WWE or Sinclair getting out of the game or whatever. This at least lets you know, okay, no, they're not out of the game just yet. They're they're at least still interested in investing in wrestling, which again is good. We want that. You want more healthy companies. So this is yeah, a it works great for Ring of Honor, and and. And B, I love it from the aspect of that now we're going to see Marty Scroll in a, a, probably a bunch of different places as well. He's going to show up in NWA, which makes the NWA healthier. And he potentially could show up in New Japan of America or New Japan, you know, in, in Japan or whatever, which is cool because he always goes out there and he always kills it. And the fans love him there. So it, by by doing this, he's made three other companies a lot healthier. And that's just naming those three. We don't know what else is on the horizon or whatnot. And that's, that's more of a positive. He goes to AEW. Well no, all those companies maybe go down a little bit or, or or stay neutral. Ring of Honor obviously goes down a lot, and AEW gains another guy. But I, I don't know. Like I I I kind of like this idea of him somewhere else. I, I don't want one company or two companies swallowing everybody up. Even if one of the two companies is AEW and, and and I like their approach and I like all that sort of stuff. It's still the idea of them swallowing all the talent isn't always the best thing. I like that some of these companies still have some some top-tier stars and some top tier talent. So yeah, I, I this is The the perfect situation for me. I I I love the idea of Marty in Ring of Honor uh, for the next two years. It just works the best.
0: You want as many companies as healthy as possible. That's what's best for wrestling. So, and again, it's another. It's a new voice in the room too, which is which is super important. Yeah, and we have to talk about that too.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's talk about the new voice. I mean, Delirious came into power two thousand ten. Originally came into power, replaced Adam Pierce. Uh, at that point, there right. was a there was a brief Jim Cornette era. I don't know, 2011, to 2012, 13, somewhere in that area. Okay, he, so yeah, what, what, here's what,
0: how it went. He replaced Pierce, and and the Pierce era was just the problem with the Pierce era. Pierce replaced Sapolsky. It was just too much of a shock to the system because there were too many. And I and I, I listen. I went to those shows. Yeah, oh, I went we to the first over.
1: one I went to of a Pierce era was just like, what is
0: this? it was just so different like finishes where guys were holding tights and low blow finishes and it was just more of a traditional american television wrestling product and less of this hardcore nerdy work ratey smarky product it was and it was a it was a blunt object to the head sort of overnight change i went to those first tapings and all of the um you know, unlicensed music was gone. Everybody was using generic music. The matches were like six-minute matches. And we're used to Ring of Honor where, you know, it, 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 was, it was such a shocking change that we were – the crowd was – this was in the ECW arena, that, the, those first Pierce tapings. And we were all just so stunned leaving the place. I remember the chatter was like, this is not Ring of Honor anymore. What is this? So it's not that I think Pierce was a bad booker. I just think the changes were too fast. And, 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 and too sudden. And it just, for those reasons, the fans didn't, and and his era never really got going, you know, and, and, and then Delirious took over. He righted the ship. He did a very good job. Cornette came in and they were sort of sharing the position. Cornette talks about it openly on his show all the time. And if you go on YouTube, you can hear Cornette give the history of his time with Ring of Honor in, in extreme detail. But yeah, Cornette was probably ahead of, uh, you know, but he was working with Delirious, you know, make no mistake, but it was Cornette's baby. The stuff with Dan Severn and, you know, uh, bringing in the friends of Cornette, whether it was Mike Mondo or whether it was the Headbangers, all that stuff at Cornette's. D'Lo Brown, I think,
1: it. popped up too. Yeah. Oh, God, the Headbangers. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so it's like uh, what were their gimmick? I can't remember what their name was.
1: But oh, they, were, they uh, were the oh, it was so bad. What was it? They were fuck. I forget what it was. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll, I'll find it out.
0: So Cornet, you know, he has his time, and uh, you know, he did some good things, but it was just
1: the Guardians of Truth. Out- the, Guardians the Guardians of, of, of Truth. truth. <laughs> Ugh, gross. Yeah.
0: Right, and then uh, you know, from there, a delirious. Uh once Cornette was out, then Delirious took the full uh control of the reins again and has been in control, I guess, for what, seven, eight years now at this
1: point. Right, yeah. Whether and- it's 2012, 2013, I forget the exact era, but yeah, basically we're talking, yeah, seven, seven years. So that's a that's a long time in that position. And and yeah, it's no no booker is good for seven years ever. Like they'll tell you flat out, no, I I'm not good for seven straight years. There's some ups and there's some downs and and, and, and the delirious era, like you said, like he kind of righted the ship post-Pierce and I thought the post Cornette era was pretty good as well, like some pretty good stuff going on in Ring of Honor. And and really, you know, again, we can criticize the elite stuff all we want. And, and, and I did at the time, but we never what we said at the time. And, and you can go back and listen to the shows is this is fun. This is good. But make sure you're ready for when these guys leave because they're going to leave at some point. We had no idea that what what they were going to do was AEW. Like I, I always thought that maybe the Bucks would just retire, you know one day just go to New Japan full time or that Cody would go back to like we don't know what, whatever it was going to be. But we always said, hey, this is fun. You're selling out arenas all over the place. You're a big deal right now. You're getting big money. You're, you're or, you know you're you're on na- you know national TV technically with Sinclair. But like be ready for when these guys leave. Be ready for what's next. And that was his mortal sin was not being ready for what was next he he relied too much upon new japan and the elite talent and and that really kind of caught him but more than that too like the stories just got kind of boring the the, the 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 just the the voice in the room got kind of bored and it's like it's it, any booker should probably probably has a lifetime of what would you say 3 5 years tops most of them they kind of need a refresh after that time almost all of them
0: i mean even less than that a lot of the time it's very rare to be a booker for longer than that but it's like delirious his reputation to me will always be worse than the reality i i will always be the biggest delirious defender i don't think he's i mean obviously towards the end it got very ugly and we all and and you know we've heard the stories of some really ugly stuff that went on in that company particularly towards the back end but he righted the ship twice from two very tumultuous the end of the pierce thing which didn't work and then the and then you know when he took over for Cornette after the Cornette thing kind of wore out it's welcome he really righted that ship twice and it, it can never not be said that he did not reside over the most successful financial periods of the company. He was the guy in charge. And, I, you know, I'm sorry, he has to get some level of credit for that. Even recognizing the flaws of not preparing for a post New Japan, post elite future. Those that was a mistake, you know, he did not do a good job preparing. We can see the last eight months he did not do a good job preparing that company for life after New Japan and life after the elite. He just didn't, and that's his biggest failing. And unfortunately, that's going to be ultimately what Delirious is judged on for his cumulative decade booking that company, where most of the time he was a very successful booker and a good booker, not a great booker. But I think he was a good booker for most of that time, and and and, and you cannot argue with the scoreboard. You know, it, 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 he, you know, the, the company excelled to new heights under Delirious. Not those other guys. It was him. You know, it just all fell apart at the end. And it's like I always say, pro wrestling bookers are like head coaches in sports. It's everybody thinks they're doing a shitty job, even when they're not. And, you know, and, and he was doing a shitty job at the end, make no mistake. But I think people are way too hard on Booker's a lot of the time. And I think a lot of times, you know, like head coaches, the legacies are written on the failures instead of the successes. And I don't always think that's fair. And I, I don't think history will be fair to Delirious based on the fact that when it was bad, it was really fucking bad. You know, and that that meaning, you know, the last eight months or so. And even prior to that, there, you know, there were some ugly situations and times where things weren't going great. And really, it was New Japan and the elite that that really saved. But but look that again, I don't want to rehash the whole delirium. We've done that show a million times. But, um, you know, I, I don't think his run is nearly as disastrous or as bad as you'll hear in some other spaces. That's I'll leave it at that.
1: For sure. No, he's definitely above Pierce in that regard. and He's absolutely above the Cornette era. Uh, in that regard as well, so yeah, I mean, there there hasn't been a lot of guys in charge of Ring of Honor, and 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 you could <laughs> pretty realistically put him number two. So, uh, you know, hey, it is what it is. It's it, it's a tough act to follow with Sapolsky, and like you said, uh, business wise, obviously a uh, 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 much bigger business than 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 Gabe, uh, Pierce or or Cornette ever did as well. So yeah, it is what it is. But uh, let's uh, you know, we we had talked a little bit about WrestleMania weekend there with Will Osprey, uh, Jay White announced for the uh, SuperCard of Honor show. Uh, which got announced as well that Ring of Honor will be coming to WrestleMania weekend as well. And I wanted to do a quick little check-in with WrestleMania weekend uh, and and stuff going on because this week, man, we got some... You know, we we <laughs> we're ready to do that show. We're ready to do our preview show where we bury everything and everybody gets mad at us or whatever. And and I even told you, you know, last week I was like, man, I just don't know if I have the energy this year to do it. It's just like every show kind of stinks, and I, I don't know how many times we can make fun of you know X's funny show name Y. Thi- you know what I mean? Like I was like, ah, it'd get boring. I don't. Have, I just don't have the energy. You know, usually I do the eight hour podcast where I preview every single show going on the entire weekend or whatever. And I was fe- I was just not feeling it. But this week's got me a little invigorated, like. I, I, I'm not planning on going, but I—I I, I was the closest I would ever have gone uh, this week as well because we had some big names come out here. Shingo announced WrestleMania weekend. Zack Saber Jr. announced WrestleMania weekend. Will Osprey, Jay White, a lot of really good wrestlers, really good names uh, popping up here in WrestleMania weekend. Man, it's it's starting to it's starting to feel it's not quite where it was in, in years prior, but it's starting to feel like an actual weekend again and not just you know Marcus Crane's bondage go go and, and other bullshit like that. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, before this week, it was like, you know, it was Dan Housen, Alley Cat, and fucking Shazam McKenzie, you know, with that, you know, on every show. <laughs> you know, but, but now, you know, you got, you know, New Japan running that uh, Lions Gate show and Supercard of Honor just is adding all the big names from New Japan. They're probably going to add a bunch more by the time people listen to this. And, um, you know, things are definitely uh, looking up from that perspective. I mean, the schedule, though, is still upscene. I mean, it's, it's obscene, and I know we're going to do a big preview show where we make everybody mad at us again at some point as we get closer, but, um, you know, there are absolutely some positives to, I mean, basically during every window, there's four shows running in basically every window, and that's great for wrestlers. I mean, wrestlers are going to be taking six, eight, 10, 12 bookings apiece again and running around town and making a billion dollars each. That's great for them. It's not great for anyone else. I mean, it's definitely... I mean, for fans, what you're going to get, and and we had a lot of it last year, and it's probably going to be worse this year, is just overworked wrestlers who are tired, uh, running from venue to venue. Uh, You know, last year, I saw David Starr and the Lucha Brothers and LAX (laughs) just slogging through their matches.
1: I saw David Starr three times in one day, by the way.
0: (laughs) Oh, no, but but he was never good. <laughs> right?
1: He, every one of his matches was five minutes because he was so fucking tired. Yeah, it was because
0: well, was... he's got he, you know he's to hop in a fucking taxi and get to the next show and it, or you know and it's like that's great for the wrestlers, but it's a bad fat. You know, now listen, if if you just want to go down there and get drunk with your friends and and watch Tooth Guy ham it up with fucking Warhausen or whatever the fuck, then yeah, it is. But if you want to go down there and and it, it's it. The more shows, there are, listen, when there's four shows running in every window, first of all, that they lose the talent pool right there. OK, everybody can't be everywhere. All right. So it's like then your main event level guys, they're going to work out deals where they work the opener of one show. Then they're running down the street to, to work the other show. Then they're running back down the street to go to the other venue to work the opener on the next show. And, and you're getting tired. By the second day, these guys are exhausted. Okay, LAX worked half of their matches injured last year. Okay, Lucha Brothers, we had people telling us in text messages that these guys were getting in their hotel room at four o'clock in the morning and then they're up at nine because they got to work pancakes and pile drivers at 11 a.m. It's like and and then you wonder why Phoenix isn't even taking off his hoodie when he gets in the ring because he's working a six minute match where he's not doing anything because he's exhausted and I can't blame the guy. I would take every booking, too. And then I would sleepwalk through these matches too, make that money. But it's a poor fan experience, you know, and it's and I suppose it depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for good matches and kick ass shows, the, the more bloated and bigger this schedule gets, the worse it is for you as a fan. Okay, that's the bottom line. If you're just looking to go down there and party and get drunk. And go to Janela's spring break, and then the next day go to your Bondage show, and then go see Tooth Guy, and then go see Alley Cat wrestle 19 times. And all right, I'm not knocking you if that's your deal, but you can do it. I guess it's good for those fans, okay? But it's like, you know, for I would suspect most of our listeners, I mean, WrestleMania has peaked. But with the news this week, I'm kind of a little more excited about it because it looks like there's going to be some shows that you can sink your teeth into that aren't the same rehashed eight to 10 talents that are working everywhere, doing their comedy shtick and their irony stuff. And it looks like there's some shows that have some potential now to be, you know, the kick-ass wrestling shows that WrestleMania weekend was built off of. Right. You know, right. Until Janela spring break spurned all of these copycats. And that's really the problem here. Is everyone, the Janela shows are so successful. That everyone's trying to catch lightning in a bottle and 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 find the next formula, the Janella shows no, and then are they, formula.
1: here's the thing are they trying to find the next formula, or are they just doing the same formula?
0: Oh, I, listen, I agree Let's
1: get everybody mad, but yeah they're not trying to find they're, they're just doing what Joey Janela did, but just putting their own you know unoriginal twist on it, so
0: yeah, and I mean, you know it's like you know I, I got a lot of respect for Brett Lauderdale, and I think the game changer he's obviously the top promoter in town. And they've had tremendous ideas with Janella and Bloodsport. Yeah, oh, and for even, sure. And even with their own core company. But I saw him arguing with people yesterday about the bloated WrestleMania weekend and defending it from the perspective of it's just more optional. Well, of course, he's going to defend it. Why wouldn't he defend it? Okay, he's running that little collective there. And the more promoters that he gets on board with that, the more that they're splitting the cost. Okay, every additional show, every additional promoter that jumps in on this collective, Okay. Means that he makes more money because his shows are going to kill it like they always do. Okay, Janela's going to kill it. Blood Sports going to kill it. Why? Why wouldn't he bring in try to bring in every promoter from all over the country and jump in on this and run three? They're running three rooms at once in that building, in that Cuban club. There's like two or three rooms at once where they're running stuff. And why wouldn't you? because if you're splitting the cost of the venue and the ring and the licenses or whatever the fuck you got right, you already,
1: got, you already got the building you already got the ring you already got the lights you already got at the entrance fuck it yeah you want to come sweet give me you know x amount of dollars yeah. and run your show get to
0: you get more people to chip in and it, and, yeah. and it just means more and his, he knows his shows are going to do well so it's like it's business yeah good
1: business for him promoters. but yeah, it's, it's a
0: business never forget that these are promoters okay don't lose sight of that so he's out here on twitter telling people Oh, this is the same as a music festival. You wouldn't complain about, uh, you know, music festivals with more bands. Well, here's the thing. The bands only play once, guy. Okay, in this scenario, the wrestlers are wrestling 12 times and they're not having good matches anymore. That's the difference. Okay, if I go to a music festival, the band I want to see plays once. They give me an hour set and it's good and they go home. And then I see a different band play and another band play over there. I see a million different bands over three days. I'm not seeing the same core wrestlers wrestling on every single show like they are. So it was a, it was a terrible comparison. You know, like, oh, it's the same as a film festival. No, well, I'm only watching every movie once. <laughs> right. I'm not watching Tooth die on every show. It's, you know, I'm not watching. Yeah, if you were watching Citizen Kane film,
1: five times in one day, you'd, you'd, you'd get tired of Citizen Kane by, you know, the second or exactly. third time. yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and that's the problem here. You know, so it's like, I don't knock the guy's hustle. I understand what he's doing here. I get it. OK, but, you know, the, the more bloated it is, the worse it is. If you want to see good shows and good wrestling, that's the bottom line. And no one's convincing me otherwise. I'll debate anyone. I'll debate anyone and win. I, I, I'm not losing that debate. I mean, Rich, we talk to people who don't come anymore because they're like, ah, I come and It's, you know, matches aren't any good anymore. You know, and, and, and everyone's trying to find to, to tap in to that next Janela thing. And, and and look, that's a, that was, that's a specialty. You're not, can't replicate that. You know, and it's, but, but listen, the, that, the tone of this was supposed to be positive. We see good things happening now. Here we go. Japan saving the day again, new Japan coming in and saving the day again. And, and the influx of talent they're bringing because they're running their own little show. Their talent is working Ring of Honor. Their talent is going to work a bunch of the WrestleCon shows, including the WrestleCon Super Show. And the WrestleCon Super Show got injected with a bunch of talent this week. So there's going to be shows that you can go to WrestleMania weekend that are just going to be kick-ass pro wrestling shows, you know, light on shtick, if that's not your thing. But again, the problem is how much of that talent is going to be overworked and running around town and not able to put in their maximum efforts. And, And again. Uh, you know, more power to the wrestlers. I'm glad that they can go there no, and kill it. Dude, I and-
1: took 25 bookings, too. I mean, God, who, yeah, why would you not? <laughs> it's, of course, like, yeah, I, I would be David Starr and, and, and Pentagon or whatever, work nine times in a weekend, and and hell, this year, you can work, I, I think a lot of the venues, and I haven't I haven't mapped it out quite yet, but I think a lot of the venues are a lot closer, too, so you could legitimately work, and, and there's stuff going on starting in Wednesday and running from, you know, 11 a.m. till 10 p.m. every single night or until 2 a.m. every single night or whatever, so yeah, you're good. Like, if you, you could really realistic these guys could work 12 times if they wanted to 12 13 14 I mean tw- Dan Housen's going to <laughs> like Dan Housen will be working at least 15 times good for him I mean good, good for him on doing that but yeah it's it might not make for the best you know user experience or the best uh, fan experience for that either so
0: yeah I mean you know look y- you can't stop growth I guess and it's like it wasn't that long ago that you had your two venues you know remember the old WrestleMania weekend charts it was like two bar graphs you know here's what's running that venue here's What's running this venue? Uh, each of the three days, you know, and and it's like now, you know, it, it's it, and like you said, they're running from eleven a.m. until fucking two in the morning in these places, you know, four or five shows a day. They're running multiple rooms in the collective venue, at, you know, concurrently. They're running against themselves in some cases. It's just my god. It's just it's just uh, it's so much, and it just spreads the talent pool thin. Um, but you know. Uh, it's, it's, it looks like, uh, this week, at least it's looking up.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. We got the, the lions break, uh, show announced that's going to be up on uh Thursday. Uh, as well, which looks pretty sweet there. That's the same as at the same time as the Texas Forever show, unfortunately. So, yeah, those are going next, uh, 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 head-to-head, which kind of stinks for, for somebody who wants to watch both of those. Uh, the Ruscon Super Show also on Thursday uh, looks pretty good, but the Ruscon Super Show is going up against Bloodsport as well, which is kind of this unfortunate thing about this WrestleMania weekend that, like, yeah, t- a lot of the shows that, that really do look good, a lot of them are going head-to-head and kind of battling for those same times. APM is also progress uh, on that day, too. So, yeah, there's a lot going on. It's
0: crazy, and there's so many dead times where there's like four horrendous shows running against each other. And it's like, and then there's these windows where there's like all of these good shows running head to head. It's so infuriating the way the schedule fell as well. You know? So um, look, look, there's options, you know, that, that's one thing. I mean, there's obviously options, uh, you know, with a schedule like this. And it, it's funny because there's a ton of promotions that ran last year that pre- predictably are not running this year because they got crushed i mean there were shows that drew six fans 10 fans 20 fans and those promotions aren't coming back but it's like we have this whole host of new promotions that are replacing them and this year is actually Bigger than last year. I don't know when the breaking point is. Yeah, this I really year. Don't,
1: well, this year this is the injection of shitty Florida indies, that, like the, the they like the the yeah. fucking mole on the side of, of independent wrestling, like these garbage ass. There's also like what the dollar store GCW that's running, like which is just the funniest thing ever. Their entire plan is, hey, we'll uh, we'll call ourselves we're Generation Championship Wrestling, but hopefully someone's too dumb and goes to our shows instead, and they're at instead of the Cuba Club, they're at the Italia Club. Like, how is this possible? I love this. I love this so much. It's GCW at the Italian Club of Tampa. So you got to know that you're at the right GCW and that you're at the Cuban Club and not the Italian Club. I love this idea. <laughs> Someone's going to yeah, sit they, down they, and they, think that they're, they're s- going to see Joey Janela's Spring Break and they're going to see fucking uh, punk rock pro wrestling or, you know, fucking whatever, some dollar store GCW bullshit. I love that.
0: Oh, it's dirty what they're doing. They 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 stole the lettering They stole. They copied the poster. They're running the Italian club instead of the Cuban club. It's 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 the intent is to deceive. (laughs) Absolutely, the intent is to deceive, and it's so dirty. And it's like, you know, the first thing we need to do is ensure that promotions like that never run again. I I hope those shows draw nothing. I hope, you know, it's it's like they lose uh, thousands of dollars and never even get an idea of running. Those are the first fucking leeches that have to go you know it's ridiculous and again you might say oh well the market will work itself out but here's the thing i saw daniel makabe announced for some of those shows and i saw uh someone else i can't think of right and that's my point you know by the time that someone like daniel makabe gets to a big match on saturday night he will have wrestled seven times and he's fucking exhausted and and this is the kind of thing i'm talking about you know what i mean and it's like that's great for daniel makabe but how is that good if you're a Daniel Makabe fan who, you know, he, you know, he pulls a fucking hamstring wrestling for these fucking uh, sleazy fucking yeah. shindy assholes on Tuesday. Elevate
1: uh, on elevate for wrestling yeah, on fucking Tuesday or whatever. So
0: and I'm not even knocking Daniel. Mokabe. Oh, God, no, I'm
1: just, God. Get those bookings, man. Get that money.
0: You see what I'm making though? it's like it's, it's just, you know, it's just it, it, it's too much. And, and, and it, it really has, you know, last year. You know, bell-to-bell, bell, like you eliminate fucking MSG and, you know, maybe the DDT show or, or, or Stardom or whatever. It's probably, you know, the worst bell-to-bell bell year WrestleMania. And look, I watched all the shows. I was at half of them, and I watched the rest when I got home. So I'm not speaking out of ignorance here, okay? I go every year. And it was the, you know, from a match quality perspective, it was, you know, and and and, and again, I named those three key acts earlier. You know, David Starr, Lucha Brothers, and, and LAX sleepwalking through the whole weekend because they're fucking exhausted when those guys should be going out there having great, but they can't do it, and I, I'm sorry. I You know, I'm down on that, and I don't care who gets mad at me, you know, and, and when we go over these shows, I'm going to bury the bad lineups again, and I, I don't care who gets mad at me. It's not my problem. I don't need you to like me, fucking random promoter guy. I don't care if you like me or not. You know, I'm going to tell people that lineup fucking stinks, you know, if it stinks. And a lot of these theme shows, it's just redundant trash. And I'm going to call it what it is. And I think it hurts the overall fan experience. I'm going to call it for what it is. That's going to be my opinion. If you don't like it too bad, you know, I'm not going to go easy on this. I'm not scared off because some people got mad at me last year. When last year we were doing it tongue in cheek anyway. But people just aren't, you know, not smart enough to get the joke. But, you know, that's fine. You know, it's – but, you know, I'm going to be brutally honest again this year. If people think we're not doing that same show again, they know nothing about this show. Okay? We double down. So, you know, get ready. There's a lot of fucking shows to review, to preview, and most of them look like trash right now. (laughs) But the ones that look good, listen, you know, we're going to praise them. That's the way it goes. Anyway, Rich wanted to be positive. Here. Yeah, there was our positive WrestleMania
1: weekend segment where we talk about how things are looking up. <laughs> it's, it didn't quite work out exactly as I planned, but hey, that that was it's it's good. We had to do a check in regardless. And whether the check in was positive or negative there there we go. But anyway, some some good shows, some good wrestlers now popping up. But uh hopefully uh many, many more so we can uh drown out the uh, uh the crap going on uh, that weekend as well. But um Let's move on here uh, to A.W.'s TV deal. And you might be noticing, hey, these guys haven't done an ad yet. This is an ad-free show, Joe. Ad-free this week here on the Voice of Wrestling flagship. But we do have a Patreon, though.
0: Yes, we do. Patreon.com slash Voice of Wrestling. $1, $2, $5, $5 gets you everything we do. Rich, you're doing your Royal Rumble rewinds. They're getting fantastic reviews. That's your current uh, series of the, uh, of the month, I guess. You like to switch it up get the Kings of Tokyo, Tokyo dome going up until one, four. Now you're doing your Royal rumble rewind. Who knows what's coming next? Maybe Rich will do spring stampede.
1: St. <laughs> Valentine's Maybe. day massacre. There's only one. Yeah. So that would be pretty quick to do. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Stampede would uh, be
1: fun. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be a good one.
0: Yeah. Thursday TV reviews every Thursday. I am the, uh, to our knowledge, rich, it is the first show to break down the Wednesday night war ratings. Um, uh, uh so, you know, you get that every Thursday as soon as the ratings drop, usually about an hour or two after the ratings drop. And then uh, a full review of the two shows. That's a lie. You get a full review of Dynamite and you get a,
1: <laughs> a 10% review.
0: Very lazy review of NXT, which I just can't work up the dander to care about. Um, but yeah, Thursday TV reviews and then whatever else we think of doing. There's always stuff popping up.
1: Yeah. Q and A's, you know, fun little old reviews. A lot, a lot of stuff on there. Yeah. You're you're well worth the $5. I can tell you that overwhelmingly well worth the $5.
0: Daily news updates will be back. Now that I got my voice back. Uh, November to remember will be coming back now that I got my, I couldn't do stuff without the voice. It's just, I I was never going to get healthy. So, um, yeah, I shut down some of that stuff, uh, for a little while, but that'll all be coming back now that I can talk again. So, uh, so, yeah, uh, I, 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 you know, again, if you listen to this show, there's really no reason not to plunk down the five dollars. You know, you're just going to get more of this. And who doesn't want more of this, Rich? I oh, absolutely. Mean, yeah,
1: screaming at you uh, and, and <laughs> telling you the sh- WrestleMania weekend shows you're excited about suck. But none of you listening are excited about those. So don't 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 lie.
0: Uh, you well, know, it's. uh <laughs> They love the ranting,
1: Rich. They love they do. the ranting. Absolutely. com slash Patreon for uh, uh, more of that good stuff. But anyway, uh, ad-free the rest of the show, so nothing else coming up. Uh, but let's get into this here. Uh, AEW's new TV deal. I can't believe this is like the third topic we have to about. There's not a lot going on this week in wrestling. Uh, plenty of stuff to talk about. Um, Press release here uh, says TNT, WarnerMedia, and AEW have renegotiated and signed a new four-year contract that would keep Dynamite on the station through the end of 2023. Uh, The four-year deal is worth $175 million, just under $45 million per year, and includes TNT having an option for uh, 2024 at a significantly increased price. Uh, The deal would also include adding another hour of television later this year, which will be taped on Wednesdays but air on another night, uh, likely on TNT, but could be put on another Turner Station as well, so the big news here is that AEW is not going anywhere. Uh, AEW now officially upped with uh, re-upped with uh, TNT through 2023 for sure, and also an option of 2024 for Turner to pick it up uh, as well. So that's the big news there. We'll talk about the additional show after that. But uh, what do you make of, of TNT kind of giving that stamp of approval? Turner saying, "Yeah, we like what you guys are doing, and and we want you to keep doing it on our networks until 2023."
0: Again, great news for the wrestling industry and great news for AEW securing a uh, long-term money-paying deal, uh, what, 15 weeks into the run or whatever it is? So, uh, they, you know, as we've been saying all along, they've been far exceeding TNT's expectations. You know, TNT was going to be happy with 500,000 viewers, a week, which is what their dopey little movies were doing. Just beat that and, uh, you know, raise the profile of the network, get that average rating up. They've been crushing that. You know, they've, been, they've settled in just under a million the last three weeks, right back where they were. Uh, basically when the show started. And uh, this is a huge vote of confidence from Turner to, to not waste any time and lock this up long-term. So get $45 million a year, but they're no longer covering production. So it works out to about $20 million a year in additional funds that they weren't getting before. The previous deal, they uh, were not getting any money from Turner, but they were getting their production covered and they were getting an ad split, right? Uh, now they're getting $45 million but they got to cover their own nut on the production. So it's going to come out to about $20 million to the bottom line out of that $45 million uh, once you subtract the, uh, the production cost. And they're keeping their ad split. And in addition, Rich, because they're adding the second show, that also increases the ad split because there's going to be another hour of television now that they're going to be splitting ad money on. So uh, this is a great deal for AEW. Uh, they are now profitable by, uh, by all reports uh, because of this deal. And to be profitable, fifteen weeks or whatever, three months into your run, uh, is it, pretty incredible. When when in reality, you know, you had to be planning on uh, losing money for uh, a much longer period of that. When when, you, when you're talking about a pro wrestling startup, they're just doing everything at an accelerated pace. All of their success is coming at an ex- an extremely accelerated pace. So for all the griping and the nitpicking of the week to week. Uh, you know, booking and the the, the shitty angles on the TV. When you take a step back and look at AEW in the big picture, they are just a massive success to this point. There's no other way to slice it up. They are a massive success. They're doing 100,000 pay-per-view buys in an era where nobody buys wrestling pay-per-views anymore. Uh, They've secured a long-term television deal uh, to where they're uh, being uh, paid uh, big-time money uh, for their content. And what this does, too this long term deal is it gives you know potential free agents it's not a risk to sign with AEW anymore you know and that's a big thing that i don't think enough people are talking about whereas you may have lost out on some free agent battles for certain wrestlers or whatever because they don't want to jump in on a company where they, it doesn't feel secure, where they're going to be looking for a job again if it tanks.
1: Right, you now, don't want to bur- you don't want to burn a bridge either. You don't want to say, "Hey, fuck you guys, I'm going to sign with AEW," and then six months later, AEW is out of business. You're, hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going?
0: Like my job back and now. And not just and not just wrestlers either; other business partners too. Right. Okay, this is a business. Okay, they're locked in. Okay, they're they're going to be so from that perspective, it's great for them too because it 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 shows that they're a stable company with stability. And guaranteed cash flow coming into the company, you know, no matter what.
1: Right. Even, uh, even you know, a lesser extent business wise, people don't even know this too. Like booking out venues way ahead of time is a much yeah. better idea now going, hey, look, we could book through. Hell, they could book to 2023 if they really wanted to. Like, you know, it's it's ambitious, but yeah, being able to say go into an arena and say, "Hey, we'll come here for four dates over the next four years or whatever" is 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 yeah, that's tremendous. Versus, hey, we just need this one date because we don't know what we're gonna we don't know what 2021 is going to look like for us. We might not be here 2021, so no, we're not going to put a deposit down on a venue, or we're not going to do this, or we're not going to invest in 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 this, or invest in this technology, or invest in additional employees and all this sort of stuff because we don't know what's going to go on. Like that is all that is done now. You got 2023. Locked until twenty you're good, and that you, you, people might not understand how important that is for a business to know. Hey, we're going to be around. You know, we're we're not going anywhere. You know, barring some disaster that might happen on the horizon or whatever, but barring any disasters, we're here. We're we're here for the long haul, and that that's yeah, it allows so many more avenues to open up too.
0: And you see, you have the ability now to reinvest some of that additional cash flow now too. So you've got 19, 20 million dollars. in in projected cash flow coming into the company per year that you didn't have before, uh, you can reinvest some of that or a great deal of that or all of that. And who knows, you know, there's a lot you can do with 19, $20 million a year of additional cash flow that you didn't have before. And it's also just great for the overall health of the pro wrestling business because now you have other networks saying, wow, well, look at this. Okay. Networks, they didn't want anything to do with pro wrestling unless it was WWE until this show proved to be a success so now you might have other networks saying well hey look someone other than mcmahon is successful doing television wrestling maybe we should get in on this game you know and then maybe they talk to the nwa or they talk to mlw or well whoever.
1: i don't think it's a complete accident that i think it was the day before this got announced that mlw had said that they had signed with some you know uh, agency uh, to try to sell their TV, like, I'm sure some rumblings happened, and MLW wanted to say, hey, look, guys, just so you know, like, you know, there's, a, there's another wrestling property out there that just signed, you know, a big-money deal for 2023. Like, not a complete accident that MLW, you know, decided of all weeks to sign with a company to, to try to sell their TV. It was, you know, that week, so I'm sure not an accident whatsoever.
0: And all it takes is one head of a network to be impressed with what Dynamite has done for Turner, to want to take a chance on wrestling on their network. It only takes one, you know, so it, it's, it's, this is good for everyone. It really is. So uh, it was great to see uh, it, it, it. It's really uh, impressive to me, the accelerated pace that they've been successful And hopefully this does lead to some other networks taking a chance on some other wrestling. And look, it's not going to work out for everyone. There might be scenarios where somebody gets TV and it bombs tremendously. It's not going to work out for everyone the way it has for these guys. This was the perfect storm, you know, with the billionaire owner who kind of understood coming in and, 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 you know, was able to get the huge stars from the elite and all that. So, um, you know, it, it's not, it won't work. It doesn't, this doesn't mean it's a lock to work out for everybody else. If everybody, it, It's not just a magic trick to get TV. We've seen over the years with TNA slash impact and all the different stations that they've ended up in. It's not, you know, automatic success, but it at least gives you a chance. You know, at least gives you a chance. So uh, there will be ripple effects. You know, this isn't just good news for AEW. I believe it's good news for everyone.
1: Uh, And as far as the additional TV show, an additional hour of television that's going to pop up here, uh, we don't know exactly what that's going to look like. We don't know exactly what that's going to be. I know some, uh, you know, some execs were talking about AEW Dark and, you know, moving that to the network. Like, I think we don't know exactly. We won't fully know what that is until, you know, it actually drops or whatnot. And it might just be people talking and they might not know. But uh, regardless, an extra hour of television uh, on one of the Turner networks, we don't know if it's TNT or if it's going to show up on True TV or uh, TBS or whatever. But still, that's another, uh, you know, an hour of television. That's a, that's a good deal. It's a great deal. I don't know for, you know, us viewers, we're, we're really reaching. A point now where it's like you cannot watch everything. Like you're you're getting to the point where like it's going to be hard to keep up and watch every single bit of content that AEW puts out. Let alone if you watch WWE as well, if you watch New Japan as well, if you watch anything else. Like we are reaching a, a, a content overload uh, point. But again, like you, you know, if you're AEW, of course, yeah, fuck, we'll do another hour TV if you're going to pay us. We don't give a shit. Uh, but uh, yeah, where where that drops and 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 what station it drops uh, will be very interesting and in, and in how the the the, the The TV structure too, I think, is a very, very interesting uh, discussion as well because there's not a whole lot of open dates, you know, that where you're not running up against other Turner properties. We always talked about how Wednesday was guaranteed to be the day that Dynamite was going to run because they don't want to run Monday against Monday Night Football or Raw. Mm. Um, They don't want to run Tuesday, maybe you know before you know before we thought they wouldn't want to run Tuesday because you know Turner does have basketball properties on. Tuesday, but that you might not be able to avoid that day because Thursday is the big Turner basketball day. So they definitely don't want to run against that. Uh, and Friday is i don't. know, Friday's kind of a death knell day. I guess you could put it on Friday, but I don't know if I'd really be super happy about Friday. And then, you know, Saturday is Saturday. Do you really want to run Saturday? And AEW's got, you know, pay-per-views that they're running on Saturday too. And then Sunday you're against the NFL again. So it's like, you know, Tuesday is probably the day if they're going to drop it, or because maybe they just might say, you know, fuck it. You're on true TV on Thursdays. And yeah, we don't care if you're going up against the NBA. Like, you know, two different family I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. And I'm very fascinated uh, to see what day this drops and on what network uh, this extra hour TV drops on as well.
0: Well, the initial report is that Dark was staying and that there was going to be another, like, in, in other words, three shows. Right. One's on YouTube. And, but now some. Later reports have come out, our boy Tony Maglio came out and said he spoke to someone at Turner who said it's going to be, Dark is actually going to be the second show. So I guess it would be moving off of YouTube and and be moved, uh, you know, to one of the, either one of the Turner networks or the HBO streaming service or or whatever the case may be. So it's still kind of, we don't know what's happening, whether it's going to be Dark is that second show or, or as Meltzer had reported early on that Dark will remain and there will be uh, in essence, three shows. So we have to see how, how all of that shakes out. I do think that three shows is kind of pushing it for AEW. Um, I don't think two is too many, though. I, I think their roster is big enough for two. They're, they have plenty of stuff. Star- I don't think that the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Moxley, and Cody have all wrestled on the same dynamite yet. And that tells me that they have a roster big enough to sustain two shows. Because they have enough stars to sustain two shows, uh, let alone undercard guys. So I think three hours of TV is fine. Four, you're starting to push it. But the thing about Dark is they never emphasize Dark anyway. I mean, Dark has totally become a throwaway thing. Um, It's prelim wrestlers. There's only 300,000 people watching it uh, in, in the first week. Garrett Kidney tracks that stuff, which is way down from where they started. And there's not a ton of effort put into it anyway. So... Dark has kind of become their, I don't know, WCW Pro or what would be the WWF equivalent main event. Um, uh, you know, you know, and every now and then Kenny you're Omega. Will pop yeah, you're up jacked
1: on of the of the past era. Yeah, you're
0: right, but I suspect if there is another one hour show in addition to Dark, you'll stop those random pop ups of Kenny Omega and and some of the other. I think he's really the only big star that's been on Dark, to be honest. Um. But, you know, we'll have to see how all that shakes out. I, I I don't think I've seen some people say they think the roster's not big enough to support all this. I don't know. I it's like I said before, I don't I don't agree with that. And, and 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 you know, they're already at a point where they're not putting everybody on TV every week. And I see people complain about that, but I think that's a positive. Oh
1: God, I hate no. I want less I would I would die to have WWE just not have a guy on. I, I would. We always talk about Brock Lesnar as our favorite character. You and I's favorite character because we grew up in an era where. I don't maybe you didn't see Hulk Hogan pop up every, you know, once every five weeks or whatever. You know, The Undertaker, in the days I was watching Raw, yeah, he didn't show up every single week. He'd show up, you know, once a month or whatever. That, that's fine. That's all you need. Bret Hart, he'd wrestle on Raw every so. I mean, he'd come out maybe and do a promo. You'd see a video package, but he'd wrestle, I don't know, once every four or five weeks or so on, on Raw. I love that era. I think that protects matches. I think it protects the characters. It makes the guy come across as stars. I think the worst thing that's happened to pro wrestling is everybody being on every single show every single week. It, 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 it's not necessary it's just become a, a truth it's just become a thing we talk about it all the time WWE has brain rotted a lot of people where they only know the one way and, and they won this wrestling war and they've kind of told the tale of wrestling for people, you know, for 15 years now, 20 plus years or 20 years. or are so at the point right now where it's like all they know is what WWE has done. And what WWE does is everybody is on every show every single week. And it's like, no, you don't need to do that. Guys don't need to show up all the time. It is better if Kenny Omega only shows up once every few weeks. It is better if Moxley only shows up every, every, every few weeks. If they're in a big time feud and they're in the central figures and in, in whatever, then, yeah, you can have them come out every single week or whatever while that feud's going on. But there's no there's no issue with, you know, the, the, when Jericho loses the title, I'm fine if Jericho doesn't pop up on TV for a month or whatever. You, you know what I mean? Like, that's fine. Like, that is OK. But yeah, the, the idea that like, everybody has to be on every single show every single week is is just the mentality that we've sort of created in ourselves. But it's not something that we need to have. It does. It's not a, a pro wrestling truth. It's a truth of one company, but it, it, it doesn't need to happen and it shouldn't happen with with, with A.W. So I, I have no issues with that whatsoever,
0: yeah especially if you have enough stars to keep popping a number and they do. You know, they've, they've got Moxley and Jericho and the Bucks and Omega. Um, you know, I think that's all of the key ones, right? Uh, I don't think I'm misnamed, but I might be missing somebody else. But it's like, you don't need all of those people on TV every single week. And they haven't done that. And that tells me that they could sustain another hour of TV. Because, okay, if the Bucks don't work on Dynamite, they could headline whatever's airing on whatever the fuck two days later on, you know, another sister channel. Um, or whatnot, but like you said, you know, if you're running up to a big pay-per-view match, yes, Moxley and Jericho need to be on TV every week until this pay-per-view, right? I mean, that's just a given. But it's like that's that's a you know, it's like, but it you know, the, the Bucks don't need to be on TV every single week until they're in uh, you know a money program on the pay-per-view, which I'm sure is going to happen at some point. It's just one of these things like that we just think has to be done, but it doesn't give us a chance to miss people, you know you burn people out faster when they're on TV every single week. And the other thing is when you cycle people in and out, you're not, you know, shoehorning everyone onto TV every week. It gives some room for other people to get over. You know, you're not eating up every quarter hour with the same half a dozen stars every week. And then, you know, then it allows other people to get some TV time and potentially get over. So there's just so many benefits to not putting everyone on TV every week. And letting things breathe and giving people a week off. So yeah, I, we've been preaching that though for years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and, and and another thing I would say too is an hour of wrestling TV. I think we've 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 unfortunately again we've gotten used to two hours and three hours and filling a TV show or whatever. An hour goes by in a wrestling show so fast. I mean, that could honestly be an hour could be one match, two matches, a video package, a promo, and you're out. You you know what I mean? That's an hour. It doesn't. It's so easy to do an hour of wrestling TV. So this idea that like you're going to burn people out or you're going to run too many matches you're going to do all this sort of stuff, I think people will get burnt out just on the amount of content that's available if you're going to be a completist and watch all the wrestling. But if you're just going to say, "Hey, I just watch AEW" or "I just watch the important stuff in AEW," like I don't think you're going to get burnt out on or or, like the show isn't going to burn you out in terms of like, "Oh my God, it's another Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page match or whatever." Like I don't think that's going to happen because yeah, it's a one hour TV show, like one hour of wrestling. I, I, I think, again, we've kind of lost sight of how, go back and watch the early Raws, go back and watch the first Nitros. Those things are in and out so fast, you don't even realize what's going on. It's, you know, Taker comes out and beats a guy. Bret Hart comes out and cuts a promo. Somebody else goes out there and beats a guy in 10 minutes. They do a promo and then they're out. And it's like, oh yeah, that's, that's pretty quick. Like, you know, with commercials too, an hour television is nothing. It's nothing whatsoever. So it's like, yeah, it, you, know, I, 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 you know, it's a drop in the bucket. And yeah, there's no, there's no reason that AEW can't sustain that. An hour, extra hour of Television, no way. They'll be fine. No,
0: I, I agree, but even if it does ultimately burn people out and it is too much AEW for people, that's the downside of being so reliant on television money. If you want that forty-five million, you got to give them that extra hour. You got to give them that second show. They want more content. If if the WWE wants that, you know that that bill, that billion dollars in TV contracts, they've got to do the third hour of Raw. They've got to put, uh, you know, they've got to have. Uh, SmackDown, you know, if they want that extra 30 million to compete with Dynamite, they've got to put uh, those two hours of NXT on the air. So it's like, that's the rub. You know, if you want that TV money, the unfortunate downside to that is you run the risk of overloading the public with pro wrestling and, and wearing out your audience. But what can you do? They're not going to give you that big money for less content. They're only going to give you that money for more content. So, I mean, that's the rub of the current era that we're in where, you know, rest, where American wrestling is so reliant on TV money.
1: Absolutely. There's just nothing you can do about it. Yeah, and, and cable networks are reliant on live Sports-based television, DVR-proof television, or whatever. So yeah, they're going to dole out the money. If they're going to dole out the money, and that's what you're going to run your business on, then then it is what it is. Like it might, the bubble might burst. It might all explode. There might be a content overload. There might be a crash or whatever. But like, no one's going to turn down this money. <laughs> you know, AEW's not going to say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, no, no. An extra hour of TV? No, no, we can't do that, guys." Like, no, keep your forty-five million dollars. We don't want it. And WWE's not going to say, "Whoa, three hours on USA? We can't do that. Keep that, you know, extra five hundred million or whatever." No, they're going to say, "Yeah, fuck yeah, we'll figure it out. Who cares? Give us the money." money." cut that check we'll figure it out so
0: and and you gotta and then you gotta figure out creative ways to not burn out your audience and creative ways to not run through all of your money matches and creative ways to 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 do all of those things and that's why it's a hard fucking job and that's uh, you know, it, it's it, it's it's tricky. Yeah, the it's worst thing joke. that happened to
1: yeah. WCW ever was probably Thunder, when, when all of a sudden in one fell swoop, you know, there was a, I think it was, it was a week or two or whatever that TNT said, okay, Nitro's now three hours, Oh yeah, and we're adding two hours on Thursday with Thunder, and it was like, oh fuck like they added three hours of television, like overnight, immediately after doing, you know, two hours for years and years and years and years, so yeah it was an extra three hours just immediately tacked on which was like, hey, you're not going to say no, are you guys like, you guys are successful, we're going to pay you guys more like yada yada yada, it, it, was, it was a no brainer like you have to do it, but it's, it, 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 in a lot of ways, it wasn't the one reason why they, de- you know, the downfall happened, but it was a big reason why it happened. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's trying to avoid that and, and, and make sure that doesn't happen to you too. But hey, you know, if you're, su- it's the, it's the, the, <laughs> the downside of being successful is that people want more of you. You need, you know, networks want more content, networks want to give you money, and now you got to deliver on that. So.
0: Yeah. Which feeds more into our argument of not putting, making sure you shoehorn everyone on TV every week. You know, and, but, but the key there is you need enough stars to be able to space them out and not burn people out on them. And it, it, what's always the case in wrestling, it always comes down to constantly making more stars. That's the key to everything. The more stars you have, the easier it is not to put the Bucks on TV every week, not to put Moxley on TV every, every, every you week. Know, you, you know, you the more stars you have, the easier it is to when Jericho does lose that title to let him disappear for six weeks. Instead of, you know, where you have to put him on TV because he's the only guy that draws. You know what I mean? So that's the key. And it, it's a it's a delicate, tricky balance. And, uh, you know, good luck to Marty Skrull and good luck to Tony Khan and their room. It's it's hard. Booking pro wrestling, especially television wrestling, it's not easy. It's hard. You know, and, and um, it's not an enviable job. It's a job that everybody thinks they can do. It's one of those. It's like... Sports play-by-play is another one. Everyone thinks they can do that. Until they're you sick.
1: can't, yeah, you can't. It's so hard. And,
0: and it's like, and this is a different kind of challenge. But everyone thinks they can be a pro wrestling booker at any level until they have that pencil in their hand. You know, um, you know, it, it, it's like it, it, especially big time uh, major league television wrestling. Let alone, it's it's hard enough to book an indie. To talk to those guys. It's not easy. You think it's easy, but it's not. And it's extrapolated when you're talking about Major League Wrestling.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I like our position where we just say, hey, you suck. <laughs> and then we just, yeah, that's it. You know, that's this a lot easier. Easy. This is what you should do. All right, we're done. <laughs> Bye. I'm going to go to bed now. So that's...
0: Of course, we say that, but how many dopey wrestling podcasts are out there that no one's listening to? I mean there's different challenges here you, you, like it's easy to criticize, but it's it's what's not easy is to be compelling and be charismatic right. and entertain people while you're criticizing and have that balance of not just burying shit for the sake of burying shit which gets old real quick and not just fire out hot takes for the sake of having hot takes there's a balance there too with, with what we do. we have to be honest with the audience at all times because I truly believe the audience sees through bullshit right but Sometimes honesty doesn't lead to fiery hot takes or exciting radio. So we have to find ways to be compelling and interesting even when there's not a hot take to throw out there. Cuz you can't force the hot takes and you can't be dishonest. So there's a challenge to what we do too. It's it's like that's the, you know that's a good example though too. Everyone thinks they can do a podcast, right? And then they do a podcast and they're 6 weeks in and there's 9 people listening and they're burnt out and the podcast goes away. How many podcasts have come and gone since we've been doing this podcast? People think this is easy too, and it is definitely not easy. It's a grind, and it's hard, and it's especially hard if you're legitimately trying to build an audience. Okay, If you're just trying to pop six of your friends, yeah, no problem, but if you're trying to build an audience and do a good show and be compelling and get people to listen and build an, it is not easy either. So I think that's another good example. Sports play-by-play, pro-wrestling booker, and successful podcast. Those things are that, that, that seem easy that are not easy at all.
1: I was going to jump in there and say you're talking about how hard it is to have compelling takes and still be entertaining. I was going to say, Joe, I think we do that. I think we do it well. We're good. We're good at this job. But anyway.
0: This is the best wrestling podcast in the world. Of course, we're good Absolutely. at it. Absolutely. Let's be honest. Fantastic. Uh, we, we're great at the audio. We're great at the audio.
1: Uh, so, let's keep that momentum going, Joe. We, let's go. Let's get into it show cuz we got to talk about some hot US wrestling action here and well, I said US, but uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll do we'll start with US here. Let's go. Impact Wrestling's Hard to Kill, January 20th, 12th, 2020 at the Bomb Factory. Joe, you were there live. What was your live experience of Impact Wrestling Hard to Kill?
0: Uh, I will say this first from a professional level. The synergy between Anthem you know owning both access t v and impact wrestling um was very obvious. I've been to these events where you get um you know press passes or whatnot but um because all of these entities are under one umbrella uh this was uh professionally handled and uh the best uh, event I've ever uh gone to in terms of how we were treated as media people. There's no question about that. Sean Graven does a tremendous job he's the he's the uh the p r guy um or the media relation. What's his official title? Media relations. I, yeah. PR. Media
1: relations. I want to say, yeah, let me get his exact title. Cause he, he deserves, he's kind yeah. of, you know, a lot of people might not know the name. People in the wrestling, oh, yeah. know
0: people the name, but who um, people who do what we do know the name. Believe right. me, he's, he's outstanding. And, uh, you know, he, he does a great job here. He works his ass off and, uh, you know, they, they, they treated us very well. So, uh, that that's first things first, uh, first class all the way. Uh, nice sandwich spread out there, Rich. I got to tell you, I crushed the sandwich spread. (laughs) I took care of that. There was only one person there who crushed the sandwich spread. I'm not going to say it on the air, but you know who I'm talking about. Oh yeah. yeah. There was only one person there who, uh, who made more trips to that sandwich spread than I did. Let me tell you, JL, (laughs) JL ate a few sandwiches. Trust me.
1: You love Uh, your free food. Yeah. You're not going to take full advantage of the free food.
0: I was hungry. It's a three hour drive, man. You know? So, uh, I didn't fly in first class like some of these other guys. Okay, we're we're a we're a small time operation, Yeah, a little here. Mob and pop operation.
1: I, yeah, we don't have.
0: You know, I, I'm not I'm not turning in my gas receipt to Rich here. Okay, <laughs> I drove three hours, and uh, you not take the
1: Jets? Oh, come on, you know, Joe. on my own,
0: and I, I was hungry, so uh, yeah, I crushed that sandwich spread, but uh, first class all the way, and, and yeah, it, um as we as we review the show, I think there was one particular. Uh, live observation, which is where I am gonna zig, where you are gonna zag. Uh, based on you watching the show on TV and me watching the show live in the arena, there was one major observation that's going to be uh, uh way different. But um, look, Impact, they do a pretty good job. They've got their their fan club or their platinum club, whatever they call it, members who get to come in a little early, and they they get uh they take a picture with all the current champions. And uh, you know, and then they have some uh uh post show stuff that they do and uh they, they uh Anthem took care of the uh the media very well and we they gave us good seats and uh we didn't have to sit with the with the unwashed masses. Okay, we <laughs> had our own creeps, little area. Yeah, the, the normal creeps, yeah, yeah, None of that. So we had our own little area and then they had, you know, the little uh, press area set up for the wrestlers with the post-match comments like you see in New Japan. We've got that up on the Patreon. What, we got down on the $1 tier?
1: Uh, I believe so, yeah. I believe it's available to all tiers. So
0: All tiers. So if you want to, you know, I took some, uh, I got some, uh, a lot of the post-match comments from the wrestlers who participated. They didn't all participate. We've got that up on the Patreon. You can check those out for a buck. Um, so uh, we got that up uh behind the paywall. I actually did some work, you know, rich. I didn't just go there to eat sandwiches you know i I did do some work at this event here, and uh, you know, they take care of you uh they take care take, took care of us very well, and we had uh great sight lines to the ring and um yeah, so uh, hard to kill i guess uh, I guess we should break it down, huh.
1: We should. Let's uh, let's start at the main event here. And obviously, the, the big story going into this main event, it's Tessa Blanchard and, and, and Sammy Callahan for the Impact World Championship. We, in our preview of the show, said, well, there's no doubt who has to win this match. It has to be Tessa Blanchard. Uh, Tessa has to beat Sammy Callahan. There's there's no question that has to be what, what happens here. And that is what happened. And We'll talk about the match in a bit. Uh, but obviously, the lead-up to this match was... Uh, a little muddied with uh, some reports and 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 eyewitness accounts of, of Tessa Blanchard and his her, her, her past behavior and, and 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 racial accusations and 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 bad behavior and all this stuff that had sort of always kind of felt like it was festering or kind of bubbling up all kind of came at the surface because she put a tweet out. I want to say what was the day was it Friday or Thursday I forget when she put this tweet out but it was essentially just like you know women of wrestling we have to you know support one another yada 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 whatever she just kind of had to slap tweet on this you know this dumb little kind of motivational thing about you know hey if you don't support me like ah, whatever and that led to the floodgates opening of all these women that have had you know had past experiences with her that were very very negative whether it's you know the, the accusations of you know racial you know you know stuff like that there was just accusations of her just being kind of not a great backstage person, not someone that was great to work with, which is things we had heard for, for years and years and years, and everybody with any bit of a brain would know, hey, why is Tessa Blanchard still in Impact Wrestling and not, you know, NXT, despite having, you know, 15 tryouts there and having, you know, the relationships with people that are, are, are in that company and whatnot, but yeah, there, there, there's probably a reason why she's you know, in Impact and, and, and nowhere else, but uh, all that kind of festered and all kind of bubbled up, all in the lead up to Hard to Kill, and it became kind of a question of like, alright, well, like I still think she's the right call, but yeah, it was kind of fascinating to see how that was going to go. And I was kind of curious, your live uh, perspective before we kind of talk about the match itself. What was the, what was kind of the tenor around, I I guess the media area. And what was the tenor around kind of the audience as well, knowing, you know, what was kind of building up and what, you know, the social media storm that had gone on uh, in the days prior to this match.
0: Well, impact wrestling did not make Tessa Blanchard available to the media. Surprise, surprise, rich. Yeah. I am
1: stunned. (laughs) That didn't happen.
0: She, um, I mean, the absolute worst timing for all of her enemies to come out against her, Um, all all triggered by what looked to be just an innocent, stupid, motivational tweet that she put out, which I bet now she wished she didn't do. And all of her enemies came out of the woodwork to tell a bevy of stories, uh, some of which I had never heard before, some of which I had heard before, none of which were a surprise. I mean, like you said, we've been hearing stories about Tessa Blanchard for years, and, um, you know, she's never had a reputation for being a, uh, a she's ha- always had a reputation for, for, you know, catching heat, uh, from, uh, tons of people in particular, the women that she works with. So, uh, none of it was a surprise to me, even some of the new stories that I had never heard before. But, um, as far as in the building, when the, you know, they ran down the card at the beginning of the show, she got the biggest reaction out of anybody by far, you know, when they put their faces on the screen, um, but then, when they introduced her for the bout, for her entrance, she didn't get any reaction, positive or negative. It was weird. It was just like nothing, you know? And I was like, wow, so this match is going to be weird. But then, once the match began, whether through the work or whether uh, for whatever other reason, um, she was getting Tess a chance and she was the clear crowd favorite. And they did pop big uh, when she scored the pinfall. They got to be careful with that because fans will pop for any title change. But this wasn't just a title change pop. It was sustained. And now there were smatterings of people who you can tell were aware of what had gone on that weekend and were firmly against her for that reason. Because you had some fans giving her the old double middle finger. You know what I mean? Right. When the, when the, she deserves it chant was going on, she deserves it. You had maybe a half a dozen people going, no, she does like the the counter chant. You know what I mean? So there was some of that, but my feeling, I got the sense that either the vast majority of the crowd either were not aware of the controversy or did not care. That was my sense being in the building with a scant few people who very clearly were aware and did care. But they were drowned out uh, by the rest of the crowd who, when she won the match, it really did feel like a celebration. Right. Uh, you know, with the fans. And then even the Impact crew came out from the back after it went off the air. And, um, and after she gave her speech to the crowd where she loosely addressed the controversy. And we do have that behind the paywall as well. I did, I did manage to get that clip. Um, you know, then the impact crew, came, the whole crew came. Well, not the whole crew, but most of the crew came out with some uh, exceptions. And they all hugged her and they put her up on their shoulders. They really made a big deal out of it, more so after they went off the air. Which I don't know what the idea was behind that because they had some satellite time left because I saw Josh Matthews give his final logo and there was like seven minutes left before the top of the hour, they left about seven minutes on the table. Uh, so they could have shown her speech, Or, but I guess they just weren't planning on showing any of that. But Gail Kim came out and gave her a hug, and you know she went down the line, hugged everybody. People were crying up on the stage. Um, they had her up on their shoulders, and people were standing and cheering. So to answer your question, my overall sense was that people either did not know or did not care.
1: And we're starting to see now as, as we're recording here, I think she just released a, uh, a, a statement. So I don't know what I, I haven't had a chance to really read through it or whatnot. And I don't want to do oh, it right okay. now. Not Yeah, not not. <laughs> have you checked it out or have you seen it all? I know nothing of. Yeah, it, so that's that's it. We're, we're yeah. You can see if, if there's anything you can glean from that right now. It's uh, it's very pre. It's not to anything that you really need to. It basically just denies the biggest of the charges. She doesn't deny that she's an asshole to a lot of people. She basically more than anything denies you know the the, the racial accusations that were made about her, saying that I never said the word and okay. never said this or whatever. So yeah,
0: I will read it. Okay, sure. there you go. Good quote. Over the last week, I've been accused of calling a fellow wrestler a racial slur. To read this allegation has been personally upsetting. To be clear, I absolutely did not use that word. She's denying it. That word is not in my vocabulary. That word is not in my heart. Racism is not in my heart. Yet I know many people have to deal with racism in a way I never have to. Racism is an awful part of American history and is equally awful that it's still part of our society today. While I did not do what was claimed... I stand ready to use my platform to support the fight against racism however I can. End quote. That, Rich, that's a, listen, she's denying it. She flat out denied it twice in that statement. So, um, you know, there's a lot of eyewitnesses who beg to differ, as we saw over the weekend, including uh, La Rosa Negra herself, who the slur was allegedly, um, you know, uh, uh, said towards in addition to being spit on. So this is a flat out denial. So I'm curious to see how those people who uh, were eyewitnesses to this and claim that she said it react to this. You know, we got ourselves an Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders situation. Yeah,
1: this isn't going away. This, uh, th- that statement means it's not going well, away. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's, it's, he said, it's he's, in this case. She said, she said, you know, uh, Warren says, Sanders said, it a woman can't win Just says he didn't say it. Nobody else is in the room. What are you going to do? You believe one, you believe the other, uh, with Tessa Blanchard's reputation, no one's going to believe her, especially when you have three or four people who have already gone on record saying that she said it and that she spit. Well, she's not saying to be fair. She didn't say anything about the spit.
1: That's what I'm saying. The yeah. There's a lot of other things that happened over the weekend. She left out, but yeah, that's the one that she, is vehemently denying. So
0: yeah. Um, you know, I did see someone say over the weekend too that um, that the other wrestler instigated the incident, and they were throwing slurs at each other and spitting on each other. I don't know if that makes it any better or worse. If Tessa did say the slur, not a spitting going on. Um, <laughs> who spits that much. I mean, you know, Tessa is not a popular person, no, and she makes people upset and. Um, I don't know, but, uh, anyway, I'm glad she got this statement done before we finished. Cause we would have done this whole say, I think it's a pretty important part of the story that she finally said something, uh, definitive on it. I mean, she's got two denials in there, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's a situation in the building of Twitter reality versus reality, reality, or just people not caring. I don't, I don't know. There were a lot of people of color in the crowd, you know, and, and none of them. They were all cheering her. So it's like, I don't know if, it, I, I think it was more of a case of maybe people just didn't know. And I think if you're extremely online, you sort of forget that most people aren't. right, And maybe most of the people in the building just had no fucking clue what, of any of this at that time. Remember, the story was only about what, less than 48 hours old at that point too
1: right I, and I don't know about every other other people but I have I have a bunch of wrestling friends who, who will text me like news like four or five days after it happens like I don't know when they like just they decide to go onto a wrestling website and read some news or whatever you know what I mean but like so they're like hey what's this thing with like this guy and I'm like oh that was like four days ago but I forget like I'm connected with every second of every news that I like I know everything that's coming on and everything that's happening or whatever but not everybody else does they read the wrestling news however they read it and 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 and, and however they consume it or you know however that gets to them So yeah, we always kind of take for granted us in our bubble that everybody knows what's going on in our bubble. But yeah, unless you know it becomes major major news or someone's seeking it out, like not many people would know about this. You know, just somebody somebody who just goes to the arena and and buys a ticket for them and their wife or whatever and sits in. You know, they don't they don't know any of this. They they're not aware of any of this. So yeah, it is kind of one of those weird things where again you have to realize like wait a minute, you know, (laughs) Twitter is Twitter. It's not it's not necessarily the, the the same thing for everybody. So
0: yeah it, it's you know you take for granted when you live in this bubble and you know we're on twitter it consumes i mean it just for what we do we're we're on top of all this stuff and a lot of people are not so um you know in the building i didn't get the sense that they were you know to get back to answering your question that you, you asked about 20 minutes ago so all right, let's as far get, as oh sorry uh, go ahead
1: yeah go ahead You,
0: i was just gonna say what you were gonna say you want to like break down the match now and um review the show or what?
1: Yeah, let's do it. So, so the match itself, um, I'll get my opinion first, and then I'll kind of see what, what the life perspective was. I, I enjoyed this match a lot. And the big reason why I enjoyed it, the big reason why I thought it was a very, very good match, not necessarily Tessa. I did not think Tessa was great in this match. I thought she played her role pretty well for the most part, but I thought this match was maybe the singular best performance I've ever seen from Sammy Callahan. That was a guy like you said, when the, when, 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 when Tessa came out, she kind of got tepid reactions. The crowd was a little dead because I think a lot of the stuff before this had, had the crowd kind of... They just weren't feeling it. They just weren't into it or whatever. Tessa wasn't getting that big of a reaction. And I think I think a lot of it due to Sami Callihan working his ass off being the most detestable, biggest fucking asshole you've ever seen in the world. Being just the the most misogynistic, the most disgusting, just the biggest fucking asshole heel you can imagine within 10 minutes has that crowd living and dying by Tessa living and dying by every single bit of momentum she had and working through a 23 minute match that really never felt like it, it to me never felt really like it lagged at any point never felt like it really kind of got down at any point and it felt like for those 23 minutes they had a really really good match with Sammy Callen breaking her down breaking her down breaking her down she'd pop up for a little bit Sammy would break her down break her down break her down until eventually Tessa just rose up and and, and won the match and I thought I didn't think Tessa was great in this match, but I thought Sammy Kaelin was an exceptional pro wrestler in this match. And, and I'm not a guy who, who enjoys Sammy Kaelin at any level. I've left many events with Sammy Kaelin in the main event because I don't want to see that guy wrestle anymore. Uh, but I got to give you credit where credit's due. I thought this was his, his best performance I think I've ever seen. Uh, what would you think of it, though?
0: I much preferred their previous pay-per-view match. I forget what show that was. Um, uh, man, I got to tell you, watching Tessa live really exposed her to me. Um, first of all, she's very tiny. She's significantly smaller than Sammy Callahan. Who is not a large man. So it was, she was strikingly small and she looks like she's big on TV, like a big, sturdy, strong physique, tiny. And it's striking in person. Um, And the only other time I had seen her live, I think, was maybe against Brian Cage in Wrestle Circus, and everyone looks tiny next to Brian Cage. So it's like, maybe it wasn't as glaring in that instance, because it's like, he makes everyone look small. But I'm like, man, she's like, really small compared to Sammy Callahan, who's a very, you know, who's not a a very big male wrestler. And the other thing that got exposed to me is, is, man, she just works very light. I mean, she has this reputation for being this hard-hitting, um, imposing female wrestler. That is not the case live. I mean, her stuff was just not, like, Sammy's stuff, he was laying it in.
1: Oh, he was, yeah.
0: And and her stuff just comes off soft and light and, non-bel- and just not believable, and it's hard to suspend disbelief. It really hurt the match for me. I, I gotta be honest, like, um, you know, she was a step slower than Callahan. Um, her, her shit just lacked impact, no pun intended. Just her, her strikes and her moves just lacked uh, zip and impact. And uh, she came off like, a, like an indie wrestler, and he came off like a professional. Yeah. And I'm no big Sammy Callahan fan either. Um, you know, I'm watching her, and I'm watching this match, and I'm thinking, she is not a world champion of a major league pro wrestling company. She just isn't. And this is coming off gimmicky to me because she just – she doesn't meet the standard. And, and I have never thought that. I love the first match they had. We came on here and praised it. Yeah. I thought it was a great match. Um, but watching her live gave me a whole new perspective on her. Um, I mean she just and, – and even compared to some of the other uh, male wrestlers on the card, she just it, – it's just not there, man. Like I watched – um, Elgin and Edwards, and my God, was that two tremendous professional wrestlers having a tremendous professional wrestling match. We'll talk more about that later, I guess. But, um, again, she's just not at that standard. She's not at that level. I mean, she didn't come off that way to me live at all. Um, but you know, they, the crowd was a million percent behind her. I think Sammy Callahan was the perfect foil for this situation. Um, obviously he, cause he's completely unlikable. And um, in all the right ways in this scenario, I mean, he's got go away heat in some other places, but here he's just a great heel. Oh, he's
1: he's, he works so well in impact. He is a guy that that I still see him at AEW shows. I still see him locally and he just does nothing for me and I hate him and I roll my eyes. He comes on an impact and he's like one of my favorite wrestlers in the world. He's just perfect for impact. He's just grimy enough. He's just as as much of an asshole as you need. Like it is. And that's why I say like in this performance for people that have not seen this match, I'm 100% with you. This entire match, I'm thinking, oh, Tessa's not it. Tessa's not it. This entire time, I'm thinking, oh, man, they're going to do this because they have to do it. And I get it why they're going to do it. But this isn't going to work. I'm watching this match going. Someone else is going to win this title from Tessa in like two months. And we're just going to be like, well, they had to do it, but it didn't work out. Because you see in this match, and, and that's why I said, like, Sammy, I felt like he was just working his ass to what, whatever he could do. Is everything okay over there?
0: Yeah, yeah, I just got the dog barking. Okay, I that's fine. It. All right.
1: I thought there was a loud squeal. I just want to make sure the dog is all right. All right, we're good. Uh, but, no, I mean, Sammy, I thought he kn- – I think he realized the crowd was a little tepid to begin. So he just got as he- – he ramped up whatever the Sammy Callahan thing is. He got that volume all the way up. That volume was at 100 and he's spitting and doing snot rockets and snarling and slapping her and and like you said really laying it in really making it seem like he is as you said the most detestable man you can ever imagine just an absolute absolute son of a bitch he's he's screaming at her in the ring he's just being no he's so unlikable nobody would ever want Sami Callihan to win that match and then so the Fans start kind of cheering for Tessa and cheering for Tessa. And, and he was great at cutting them off. He was great at doing everything. But like when the match was over, all I could think about was, oh, my God, Sammy Callan was great in that match. And then I'm thinking, wait a minute, Tessa just won the world championship. And it, it, it was like she won. And it just to me felt like as, as kind of the nerdy pro wrestling fan, all I could think about. The only reaction I had was, holy shit, Sammy worked his ass off in that match. What a performance. And I'm not thinking at all about Tessa after that. I, 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 I don't think she did enough in the match. And like you said, the work didn't seem all that well. Or all that well worked, and yeah, in the building you would you would know even more, uh, you know, how that sort of felt and, and and looked in real time. But yeah, even even on you know video, it, it it just like or you know watching on TV or whatever, it just didn't. She just kind of I don't know. She didn't jump off the page to me. Sammy Callahan did, and 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 that that to me wor- is pretty worrisome. Like I wouldn't change this result. Like is probably the way you have to go. That's the way it's been built. But don't be surprised if by you know April someone else is winning that title and, and Tessa is not the champion anymore. Cause um, that might not be able to last for forever. And she might not be able to, to, to go at that level that you need at a main event. But uh, yeah, that, my, my takeaway was what a performance by Callahan good match overall, but almost all of that credit I'm going to give to Sammy Callahan and very little I'm going to give to Tessa, unfortunately. So
0: in this company though, it's like, I don't know because what are the business metrics? You know, they're on a network that's co-owned, that's owned by the same company that owns the wrestling promotion. So there's really no pressure there to, to deliver. Um, they don't really do house shows. They got kicked off of Twitch. So
1: what? If, <laughs> Your boy got him kicked off. We're going to talk about him in a bit.
0: So, I mean, they do minimal pay-per-view buys to begin with. So what is she going to be judged on? They can keep the title on her as long as they want. And their feed is never really to the fire from a business sense. Because what are the business metrics they're being measured on? Do you see what I'm saying? So from that perspective, I you know, I don't know. And you know, I'm curious to see what kind of pay-per-view numbers this show will do in comparison to recent Impact pay-per-views and if the idea of a woman winning their world title really made a business difference. The building was full. The building was to sell out or look, I look, I don't know if some of it was papered, but the building was full. There were some empty seats on the floor, a few rows of empty seats, but they were more than made up with the standing room. So I don't know if those seats were bought. People just thought they had better sight lines by standing. The point is there were more people in that building than there were seats. So, you know, people came out for the match. Yeah. And that was the match. I mean, there's no other match on this show that drew a dime. Oh God! I no. mean, let's be honest. Yeah, no, nothing. So we'll see what the pay-per-view did. And then, you know, look, this is impact and the controversy isn't going to stop their plan. They are going to, for lack of a better term, Rich, they're going to post through it. Okay, they don't care. Uh, Don Callis doesn't give a fuck. Okay, Tessa Blanchard would have to murder someone before they change their plans. I mean, it's just I thought maybe there was a chance at the peak of it that it might change their minds. But at the end of the day I felt that they were still gonna go through with it and they did. They're just gonna ignore it. You know? They hired Mike Elgin at the peak of his problems. They don't care. And and really, what negative effect has it had? None. I know this is a different situation. They hired Rich Swan at the peak of his issues. Again, it's like impact exists in their own little corner of the world. It just doesn't matter. Probably because they get away with some of it because they're so low profile. And they get away with some of it because these things aren't the issues that we think they are because we're in the bubble. These issues aren't as big, and I'm talking about Swan and Elgin and, and things like that, as, 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 we, as we see them at, from our perspective. Now, the Tessa thing, time will tell.
1: I was going to say that, that those other two are like, yeah, the, the swan one is whatever. Yeah, that, that, that's that been kind of done to death or whatnot. The Elgin one, of course, that's been done to death as well. But, yeah, the Tesla one is that's one that could if, if there's actual like video evidence of that, if there's actually then like, no, that's that's one where you might have to have a heart.
0: Well, even heart. if there's not, I mean, even if these people combat her statement and say, no, she absolutely said it. I mean, this one could absolutely turn out different. This one's still in progress is what I'm saying. Right. But Impact doesn't care. They just, they do their thing. Uh, and, and I think that they kind of get away with it because they're, they're somewhat low profile. Um, so we'll see the, 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 the outcome. But, uh, you know, and, and we'll see if they stay committed. But look, Taya Valkyrie hinted that she wanted to be first in line to face Tessa for the world title. So, um, you know, that would indicate that maybe they're going to continue to go all in on this direction. And maybe that would be the merging of the titles that we talked about. I honestly don't think if you're going to do this, there's any point in having a knockouts title. A lot of people disagreed with me when I said that last week. But what's the point? Why do you need a women's title if there's one title for everyone? I don't understand the point. Are you gonna have a men's title are you gonna have a world title, a women's title, and a men's title? No, you wouldn't do that. Right? it's like you're not gonna create a men's ti- it's right. it's, the it's for all title. The,
1: it's for all the women that can't fight men because they're not good enough for what you know what I mean? Like there's the optics I thing that's, that's that kinda weird, yeah.
0: Yeah. You just need to get rid of that. I think it's a mistake to keep that. You know, if you're if you're fully committed to the inner gender. Um I'm not changing my stance on the inner gender. If you like it, fine. Uh, should they ban it? No. Am I offended by it? No. But I think it's stupid. I don't think women need to compete with men to justify the fact that women are good at this. I. It's silly. There's no other endeavor that we look. Women don't have to fight men in MMA to prove their worth in MMA. They don't have to box other men. They don't have to, you know. Women don't have to play in the NBA to justify the fact that, you know, that they're. So why in wrestling do we feel like the women need to wrestle with the men? Is it because it's worked? I really don't understand the connection there. You know, if if Tessa Blanchard is truly the biggest star in the company, then she can be. the women's champion and the women's title can headline what's wrong with that whoever's the biggest star headline it's like if the women are a bigger deal than the men then they should be on top and they should make the most money and they should headline and all of those things i don't understand why for a lot of people women wrestling the men is 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 the stamp of approval for the women I disagree with that. And I'm always going to disagree with that. I don't care what people think of me disagreeing with that. And it's not the kind of wrestling that I personally enjoy. i rather watch men wrestle men and women wrestle women. You know, it, it's the way I suspend my disbelief. Because to me, it's a simulated fight. And men don't fight women in any other sport, real sport. So why would I just... It, it, it's all your approach to, 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 to wrestling. If you approach wrestling... If your suspension of disbelief uh, it, it, when it comes to wrestling comes from a, a, a sport perspective, you're not going to be real hot on intergender. If you come from the comic book fantasy world and that's why you enjoy wrestling, you might be more apt to enjoy it because it's just a fantasy story to you. right? And, and, I, and that's fine. I'm yeah, not arguing we, all, we, all,
1: we all come from it from different perspectives and whatnot. And, and it's fine. Yeah. But-
0: and for me, it's not for me. I see it. I prefer my wrestling to be a simulated fight that's why the silliness drives me nuts you know but if you think your wrestling is just a fantasy thing where you know it's it's just superheroes doing battle and you can then that's fine too. but that just means that if impact impact won't be for me anymore that's all that's okay i don't watch car either for that reason and many other reasons that's not even the <laughs> primary reason the primary reason with Chikara is not the intergender. It's all the other fucking
1: yeah, they're, having, they're having some uh, themselves some problems as of late too, but that's uh, a, a different show.
0: Yeah, but. I don't I don't blame the company for that though. I mean that's just I mean what can you do? I mean, it's like Rich, if 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 you or I had some CD secret, it's not our fault that we didn't know. I don't know what you do when we fucking hang this show up. You know what I mean? It's like I don't. I don't blame Mike Quackenbush because Rory Gulak is a fucking. No, creep.
1: no, no. I'm just saying that in general, a lot of wrestlers adjacent to them yeah. are, are having some issues, and, and
0: they have had a bad run. They're having
1: a bad run. <laughs> it's not going well it's, over there. Yeah,
0: it's not going well. For, Quack's had a few headaches. He's had a few headaches. He's ready to take but, that PC
1: uh, job, I think, pretty quickly. <laughs> so
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, between Gulak and uh, you know, uh, Juan, Francisco, Juan Francisco, yeah, Leonardo, yeah. And then you see the other guy who's the dog killer. Did you see that one?
1: No, I don't even want to know what that is. I don't even know what uh,
0: that was. Whatever the fuck, the Castigator. I forget his first name. <laughs> blank the Castigator, whatever. He was working at a uh a dog boutique or a dog groomer, and he accidentally killed a dog or something. So you got that fucking going on too, where he. <laughs> but, but like it.
1: Glad, but it's I, like, glad I picked my dog off from the groomer today earlier, <laughs> and not dropping him off tomorrow because I believe I'd cancel that appointment given that uh, story. So all right.
0: But I believe allegedly it was due to some negligence, which is the bad part of it. you know, Accidents are going to happen, but I think... But anyway, it's been a very bad run for Chikara. You're absolutely right. <laughs> That's, but, I That's uh, all I wanted to say. But. But yeah, you know, the Intergen... You know, you know, we'll see. We, like we said last week, Impact is in the perfect position to test it out, though. And if it does yeah. help them grow their business, good on them. You know, I think it's a... I think it's a good decision to try it, whether I'm a fan of it or not. So... And, and and my stance remains the same as it did last week. All
1: right, let's go over some of the other uh, parts of the show. I don't have a ton of takes on on a lot of the rest of Impact Hard to Kill because uh, I thought the show kind of stunk. I thought it was far and away the worst uh, Impact pay per view of the Callus era. Uh, not I, there's some stuff that I thought was okay, but there was a lot of shit on the show, man. There was some real big uh, lump of shit in, in the show. But let's uh, we'll, we'll start off at the top here. <laughs> Uh, Ken Shamrock I just defeating. For the That's fine. It's all right. It's 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 a good segment. To do I thought it was
0: muted. I'm sorry.
1: Nah, you're good. Ken Shamrock versus oh, Madman yeah. Fulton. Uh, nine minutes. Ken Shamrock gets the win. Uh, I thought this was pretty bad. Um I guess I didn't hate that Ken Shamrock got the win, uh, but there was the weird Madman Fulton shoulder separation thing, and them just kind of standing and looking at each other for what felt like two minutes until Shamrock eventually just beat him. But uh, this, I did not think was very good.
0: Yeah, they did the shoulder finish with the separated shoulder, which um, – did you buy that as no, a shoot? not at all. When you were watching Neither did I. And, like, the entire press row thought that was a shoot. And I'm just like, <laughs> what are we doing here? I mean <laughs> – Fulton created a sling with his gear like it was clearly part. It,
1: it, like, <laughs> right. and then That's not how a real stuff separated.
0: Stuff. Bro,
1: if he actually separates a shoulder. A, you would know or B, you wouldn't know because most guys know how to put it back in. Or if they don't know how to put it back in, it's a it, they're going to freak out and it's going to be a major. Like guys that have separated their shoulders multiple times or whatever, pop that shit back in and you're, you barely even know. Or they have a referee come over and do it. Or if they've never done it before, it's a much bigger deal than like guy makes sling out of ring gear. Like he's not gonna do that. Like, yeah, it's it's pretty wild.
0: Oh, and then it was the finish. Then the finish was him cranking <laughs> it through an arm bar.
1: Right. Cause that's that's I gonna mean, be the shoot man, man fold. Hey, I my shoulder got separated, so Ken Shamrock, professional fighter, you know, former professional fighter, why don't you rear back on this thing and pull it back as far as humanly possible? That'd be great. So
0: Yeah. I mean Ken look, Ken Shamrock's in tremendous shape. And, uh, you know, he said that he wants to continue doing this. So, you know, it's whatever. I think Fulton has some potential. He's a big guy and a decent athlete. Um, you know, I was surprised that WWE gave up on him. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I saw some people thought it was awful. I can understand. Believe me. I think it sounds like you thought it was awful. Yeah, I, did th- I don't know if I but, thought
1: it was awful. I just didn't think it was good. <laughs> there's 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 awful on the show. We'll talk about awful. This wasn't awful. This was just not good.
0: It was just a story that I think um, didn't necessarily land with everybody, and it was kind of confusing for people. And it's fucking ken Shamrock, and he's pushing sixty. What do you want? Yeah, he did a suicide I mean, it
1: dive. I can't I can't complain too much. So
0: yeah, I mean, I, you know, there was a lot to like here too. I mean, I'm kind of into this Shamrock thing. He was very personable in the you know with his little presser deal. Um, I was very impressed, but he's got a lot of experience doing that kind of thing, especially, you know, um, you know, work in the media, too. So yeah, for sure. um, <laughs> his was the most interesting because it's
1: it was the longest, the longest of the videos you sent me was Ken shamrock. So that's it. That-
0: well, I mean, here's the thing with the videos for the patrons who were I cut a lot of it for for a lot of the people. Like I-, I left what I thought would be interesting to our listeners. Because a lot of it was just junk kayfabe stuff. You know what I mean? So, I really tried my hardest to get the most interesting bits from each person. So, and and you're right, I did leave a lot of the Shamrock stuff. I let, you know, so I think I let him go like two minutes worth, whereas some of the others, I gave you maybe 20 seconds because the rest of it was just stuff that I don't think anybody that listens to this show would care about. But anyway,
1: Uh, we had Ace Austin versus Trey, Trey Miguel, because Trey. I
0: forgot I forgot yeah, how, I forget how much
1: the rascals lean into like the hey, these crazy kids, they smoke weed and play video games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot that his video is literally like a bong <laughs> like this mu his theme music is a bong being lit up and I'm like, Oh my god, it's probably Don Callis. <laughs> I can just imagine Don Callis being like, They're kids, they skateboard, they play video games, they smoke weed. I just I love this idea. But uh yeah, he also wants to fuck Trey's mom and uh he won the match. So I guess he uh can fuck Trey's mom or something. Yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> it wasn't very yeah, X-Division-y. A, it wasn't very X-Division-y. It was fine, but yeah, I, I did not love this match either.
0: Correct. I mean, it was well worked, but, you know, I want an X-Division match. I want guys doing stupid shit and being reckless with their bodies and flipping all over the place. That's what I want out of an X-Division match. But, you know, it, it, they worked a safe match, and it's just the story of Ace Austin trying to fuck Trey's mom is really what it was all built around. And he was in full work mode. Uh, for the little presser as, uh, as you saw. So, um, that yeah, was fine. I mean, it wasn't a bad match, but it, it wasn't what I was expecting or wanting, but it wasn't a bad little match. It was okay.
1: But how old, uh, Trey, uh, Miguel's mom is. Cause she's like, <laughs> she looks like she's not that far off from like, <laughs> cause he's pretty yeah. young too. I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember how old Trey Miguel is. Because I'm like, yeah, Trey's mom's pretty hot. And I'm like, well, she's like not that far off. He's 25, so yeah, she's like, you know. She's
0: 45. (laughs)
1: That's what I mean. So yeah, okay,
0: yeah, hey. You know, is that really his mom? I don't even know.
1: I'm not sure. I don't think, I don't know if it's a shoot or not, but. You know, hey, it
0: could be his mom. I don't know. Yeah. I could totally see Don Callis like meeting his mom.
1: Yeah, I'd be like, Whoa, Trey, we need to get your mom in here. She, like, yeah. would, your, would your mom be okay with like a storyline where Ace Austin wants to have sex with her? <laughs> like,
0: yeah, a million
1: uh, Can I say no? <laughs> like, I would love to say no, but because I feel like I would say no, but I guess these are pro wrestlers. So, uh, who knows?
0: I mean, didn't fucking who fucked LeBron's mom?
1: Uh, Delonte West was the rumor.
0: Yeah, Delonte. Hey Wes, he fucked LeBron's mom, so you know it's kind of playing <laughs> off that, right? I guess. <laughs>
1: I guess that's what they're <laughs> going for. Oh, I don't know. God, all right, let's move on to uh and, and move past the Impact Knockouts Championship. Uh, Taya Valkyrie wins, uh, defeats Jordan Grayson ODB. This was a nothing match, man. I thought this stunk.
0: This was junk.
1: What was this? Absolutely. What was this? This was so bad.
0: Yeah, it's was junk. wasn't good. Um. I didn't see all of it, to be fair, because I was in the back. You,
1: you, uh, Joe, I promise you missed nothing.
0: Well, what happened was with the Ken Shamrock presser, um, they were doing it during the entrances to the next match. It was hard to hear with the music. So for the rest of them, they didn't send the wrestlers to the presser area until the entrances were done which meant that you missed, like, the first five minutes of the... You see what I'm saying? Right, right, so right. So we missed... We, we, you, you were missed the first five minutes of the, of the... Luckily, none of the matches were any good uh, that came up next. But, uh, but yeah, so I didn't see all of this, but what I saw was, was atrocious. ODB is not good. No, uh, what are they not doing? Good at all.
1: Tell her well, enough. like
0: I th- I think, you know, with the food truck burning down. Well, then send her some fucking you know, money for impact. the food truck.
1: I don't have a wrestle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Grab, grab $20,000 and send her some fucking money and buy her a food truck. But I don't have to see her in the ring.
0: I hear you. I hear you. NWA's using her, too. I, I hear you, though. Um, but she's she was, not good. She was
1: barely good 20 and, years ago. She, You know, it was a fun gimmick. I it was a fun gimmick, I guess, for like the first four times you see it. And then you're like, all right, she grabs her boobs. Cool. All right, let's move on. Like, and they we're still doing it. And yeah, and she's even worse than she was then. So
0: She's charismatic, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, I, look, look, stop yelling at me. I agree. <laughs> I know, be... I know. <laughs> Tell me why
1: but you love like... ODB so much, Joe.
0: <laughs> but I mean, look, I don't think Taya, listen, I am the world's foremost Taya Valkyrie hater. I mean, I just, not personally, I mean, I'm sure she's a lovely lady, but I just, I don't, I just don't think she's very good and I never have. So, yeah, that element too, plus it's a three-way, plus they did the shitty fucking heel steals the pin fucking finish. So there was nothing good about this. It was an awful match, you're right.
1: Well, speaking of awful, the awful continued here with uh, Brian Cage versus Rob Van Dam ended in a no contest. The uh, What we would find out is the, the blow-off for Brian Cage, the write-off of Brian Cage. He comes out. Uh, Ra- we'll talk about Rob Van Dam here in a sec. I wonder how much of this you saw. But anyway, I'll talk about the match itself before I talk about uh, old RVD and Katie Forbes. But uh, Brian Cage comes out. Uh, Katie Forbes' girlfriend, Rob Van Dam's girlfriend's girlfriend, distracts Brian Cage. Uh, RVD beats him up, kind of hits him with a chair lightly, beats him up a little bit more, and then they just end it in no contest. While Daga comes out and says, hey, stop beating up Brian Cage. And then we end up uh, going to our next match as Rob Van Dam. Uh, versus Daga, and Rob Van Dam de- defeats Daga. But uh, I got to talk about this first and foremost. How much of this Rob Van Dam, Katie Forbes entrance did you uh, see? Or were you an oppressor at that point?
0: Yeah. I, like I said, I didn't see any entrances uh, for matches that followed someone doing a presser. And I didn't see like the first five minutes of any of those matches either. So I didn't see the, the Rob Van Dam entrance. Not a second of it.
1: It's... This Katie Forbes, Rob Van Dam thing is so gross. I hate it. I hate it so much.
0: Oh, yeah. But see, that's the point, though. I mean, it's
1: <laughs> no, it, OK, no, it goes a little bit beyond that, though. It's like legitimately like disgusting.
0: Yeah. Well, it, he's supposed to be this dad aged guy who is divorced and he's your uncle. In-
1: he's your uncle that, like, used to come to the holiday parties with, you know, Aunt Linda or whatever. And then one year, Aunt Linda's gone. And what happened, to Aunt Linda? Um, we're getting separated, and then the next party, he's got some woman that he met at a bar, and they're yeah. just they're 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 the tongues are down each other's throats the entire night, and yeah. you're like Uncle Frank, like what are you doing, man? <laughs> like yeah. it's so weird, like and then they're gonna break, you know they're breaking up too, like this is not gonna last, like this is they're hot, they're so hot into each other, and they cannot wait to just. Bone. They, they, like the entire party. They're just making out and touching each other, and you know that they're fucking in the car before they even drive home or whatever. But then you know that the next party, it's gonna be like, hey, what happened to like ah uh, yeah, well yeah, you know? <laughs> then like fucking broads as he you know opens up a can of beer or whatever, and then the cycle continues until you know he eventually just drinks himself to death or whatever. <laughs> That's kind of what the drive and dance thing is feeling like. Jeez. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're like uh, Uncle Rob. What happened to Candy? <laughs> right? yeah, what happened to Alexis? Yeah, I haven't seen candy in a while. It's always a name like that, too. You know, the name always matches the gimmick. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, but um, you know, I I, I kind of like it. I like <sighs>
1: the gimmick. I knew you would like it. It's gross as
0: fuck. It's so weird. But here's the thing, Rob Van Dam, he stinks now. He doesn't try. It's like he's. This is just who. This is what he is. You know. It's like, would you? He was. Boring an impact before all of this because he can't go anymore. Or, or, I mean, if he can, he doesn't attempt to go. So it's like, at least he has some kind of character. At least he has some kind of uh, reason to be interested. It, you can't take your eyes off it. Uh, you know? and,
1: I could. And his girlfriend <laughs> I definitely could.
0: And his, and his girlfriend has a girlfriend. So then he's like making out with both of them. It's just it. It's a sleazy Don Callis style gimmick, and it, it got them kicked it, off. Here's the
1: thing. Here's the thing. It got. It did get them kicked off Twitch. Uh, it to me though. It feels like it feels like XPW level shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like every former ECW thing had like I I remember these names in the past. I don't know if you remember these names. There was like April Hunter. Do you remember her name?
0: Of course, yes. From yeah.
1: back in the day. Like, she was in these companies and she would just like get her top ripped off or whatever. And she would just be like making out with dudes or whatever. And it was just like, oh, look at this sex appeal. It was just like this weird thing that kind of happened outside of ECW where they like took the the catfight angles of, of Francine and Dawn Marie and all that sort of stuff and then ramped it up to 10. And it was just like, here's just a hot woman with no clothes doing stuff. And it's like, all right, like, whatever. But this, this, yeah, it's just, it, it feels. It's like too raunchy. You know what I mean? Like, I feel weird. Being, I, I feel like a prude, but it's kind of like, I don't know. It's just too much. It's like, yeah, what are you I doing agree. here? I don't know. It's I it's
0: agree, gross. but it's that's the kind of point. Gross. I
1: know. It's, just, oh.
0: it's supposed to be gross. Katie Forbes is just with her fake lips and her fake ass and her fake tits. And it's I think like, she's got
1: fake abs now, too. Because those abs just yes. appeared out of one day, and they're like perfectly—they're like like nobody has abs that look like that. They are like perfectly aligned and like perfectly straight. They have to be fake too.
0: And she's not exactly the pinnacle of fitness. I mean, she's that's not- what I mean.
1: She's got a great ass and great abs, even though like yeah, the rest of her body is like you know it, it, it's fine. But she's not yeah, she's not exactly like you she's know. She's Not
0: someone who is yeah. I mean, she's not in bad shape. She's not someone who's hitting the gym. You know, four hours a day. She's not a fitness model, but somehow she has abs. You're right; it's weird. Everything about it's weird. <laughs> she's Look, so like, weird. I hate it. It is weird. It's bizarre. But I'm telling you, like he started dating her, and Don- he probably brought her to a show. And Callis was like, "Yo, she needs to be on TV because she's absurd. That woman is out of control, and you are going to be wild, fucking divorced uncle." And and she has a girlfriend too, and we're doing this, and we're leaning in, and it's going to be gross, and it's going to be great. And I think that's the point. Um, what's the best is after the show, he was taking $20 mark picks <laughs> with the two of them in the ring. This is a major league company, Rich. Indies <laughs> kind of thing. The guy was like – after the was Tessa he pocketing Blanchard-
1: these? Was he throwing them in his fanny pack or was this going yes. to like, okay, so no. it wasn't an impact guy that was like running this. It was Rob Van Dam throwing a 20 into his fanny pack.
0: Listen, <laughs> listen to me. After the Tessa Blanchard thing on the stage with the with the wrestlers, right?
1: <laughs> I love the juxtaposition of a woman achieves the world championship. All right, get out of the ring. All right, here's me and my fake boot- bootyed girlfriend and his girlfriend, girlfriend. We're going to pay 20 bucks so you can take a picture with these, you know, cross yes.
0: people. It's just- listen. After that ends, (laughs) the music stops, the house lights come on, which is everyone's signal to leave, right? The whole the whole thing. Never leave a concert until the house lights come on. There's gonna be an encore, right? The house lights come on, right? And then the impact ring announcer he goes, Don't forget, fans. Don't leave quite yet. Rob Van Dam and Katie Forbes and Katie Forbes' girlfriend Jennifer will be taking pictures for just twenty dollars <laughs> inside the ring. Totally something you'd see it in an indie. So then what you had were all of and rich. He made a fucking killing.
1: <laughs> what a worker! I love it. I, do, fans, I love that part. Yeah, I do love that.
0: There were fans lined up around the whole fucking floor to the door, waiting in line. To take the tw- and handing him a twenty dollar bill, and this was all happening after a major league pay. Could you imagine a WWE pay per view? Don't forget, fans. Dolph Ziggler will be taking pictures in the ring for twenty dollars. It's it's, biz- it's just absurd. But that's Rob Van Dam. And, yeah, and he, well,
1: uh, what probably happened was RVD said, Hey man, I'm going to go outside of the ring after the show and, and, and offer pictures. And they said, Rob, we don't really do that. And he goes, "No, nah, I'm going to do it. And they were like, all right, fine, whatever. Cause you're not going to tell Rob Van Dam No, you, you know, like, I'm sure that wasn't a plan thing. I'm sure RVD just said, Hey, uh, can I go out in the ring and take pictures afterwards or, or said, I'm going to do this. So just tell people I'm going to do it. Cause I'm Rob Van Dam and I call the shots. So,
0: Hey, he, he, he blew off the post-match presser. You he knew he wasn't going to do that. <laughs> oh, no, And and he's doing this and he's taking pictures and like Forbes is like 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 rubbing on the men's chests who were taking the picture like it was it was extra sleazy too like they, they were you know they were like making out some of the pictures or she was like you know like really being uh, suggestive with the person she was taking the picture with and they were doing 20 bucks a pot listen the guy is making a, presumably a salary here and he's doing this and in, in, in the it's just inc- he's just living the gimmick to the fullest so i don't know man i'm not put off by it like you are i i, I don't know i it just i respect it so i think I it's gro- I, I,
1: okay so i think it's gross but if i was Rob Van Dam. i would absolutely be down with that getting paid to make out with my girlfriend and my girlfriend's girlfriend that's not a bad gig
0: yeah well, so. he's definitely fucking both of them after the show too
1: like, right so he's doing it he's doing it all right yeah that's
0: I've turned you around on it a little. Well, no,
1: no. I think it's still gross, but <laughs> I'm not saying that I wouldn't want to be. I don't want to watch my, my, my weird uncle make out with candy at the, uh, at the Christmas party. But I wouldn't, mind being, be. I wouldn't mind being Uncle Frank making out with candy at the Christmas. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's fine.
0: Let me be clear. I'm not turned on by any other. <laughs> okay. Let, let's all, right. Get it all right. All right. All
1: right.
0: <laughs> okay. it's, it's not like, you know, I'm going home, home and fapping off to, to fucking Katie Forbes. It's, that's not happening. It's totally gross. I agree with you, but I respect it. Okay, so
1: we're, we're actually on the same page then. So that's good. We've, we've come to a compromise there. So that's pretty good. Well, anyway, Dam and Daga, that was nothing. Do we need to talk about that? Because
0: No, it seemed like a write-off for Brian Cage because then the story came out that he signed with AEW. But then his wife is denying that he signed with AEW. But we've seen that game played with wrestlers before. Where, you know, and and it'll probably in a couple of days we'll find out that he is signing with eight, so who knows? But uh it felt like a write off for Brian Cage. So they're it seems like they're preparing for him to be gone. But uh and Daga is Daga. He's just he's a guy, he's a Jag.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Let's
0: call him Jagger.
1: Jack. Yeah, Jack, he was yeah, he was definitely just a guy here as well. I enjoyed Rob Van Dam thinking he was just a fan, who which might be a shoot as well. It might have legitimately been a shoot where Van Dam watched. Right. Daga I, probably yeah. came up to him and went, Hey, big fan. Go, oh, thanks, man. Cool. Appreciate it, dude. <laughs> like, you know yeah. Oh, you're oh you're oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Daga. Yeah, what's up, man? <laughs> like, you know, this, later in the show. This
0: wheezy Rob Van Dam impression. Yeah,
1: it's pretty good. Anyway, uh, Eddie Edwards, Michael Elgin. This was great.
0: Yeah, I mean, this was the, to me, the best worked match on the show. Oh, not even close. By a mile. Yeah,
1: not even fucking close.
0: Uh, this was, and you know what's funny about this, is if these two guys wrestled in 2011, it would have been go, 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 nobody sell anything, um, you know, uh, super athletic, uh, fucking dumb jock wrestling, right? That's what this would have been in, like, shit, it would have been at two years ago. Now these guys are seasoned veterans. And really, this has been the case with Elegant everywhere over the last few months. And it's like, these guys just worked. They were such professionals. And they pulled the strings on that crowd. It was just classic, great, like house show style pro wrestling. And when Eddie Edwards, after taking that beating for all of that time, finally hit that sit-out powerbomb, it was the biggest pop all night until Tesla won the title. All because of the way that they brilliantly worked that match. And the work was was solid as fuck. It was snug. It looked believable. My God, I don't have enough praise for the performance that these two guys put in. And it's not like it was a a four-and-a-half-star match it was just great pro wrestling yeah
1: it was just a good that classic pro wrestling baseball. match like it, it, it's one of these weird ones that like it's not going to show up on a match of the year polls it's not like you said it's not no. four and a half stars it's not a match that I'm going to say oh my god like by the end of the. but like it's a match that everybody should check out cuz it's just like that's you know this is why like we love pro wrestling is a match like this just a well-told story, yeah. a nice simple story, and a guy gets a definitive win over another guy, and, and like that's all—that's all you and I ever ask for. Two guys just trying to prove who's the better man, and one guy beats him, and it's great. <laughs> you know, it's, the simplicity of it Such is what makes work. it so great. Yeah.
0: And I never thought I would say the following sentence, but Mike Elgin's pacing in this match—he just—he was deliberate but not boring. You know what I mean? It's one thing; it's so hard for wrestling. Because when they're deliberate, it's hard for them not to be like Randy Orton. My God, he'll put you to sleep, right? But it's like this was Elgin working a deliberate pace and putting a beat down on Edwards, but doing it in a compelling way that was never boring and mixing in little high spots at just the right time, mixing in the little hope spots at just the right time. Those screaming little girls who were behind Eddie Edwards, which people were telling me was annoying on the TV broadcast, but live – They, they got, those little girls got the crowd in, they helped get the crowd into the match because everybody was rooting for Edwards harder because they wanted those little girls to be happy because those little girls who didn't make a peep all night until that match came up to the barrier and they loved Eddie Edwards for whatever reason. They must be watching Axis every week and just loving their Eddie. I can't, I I don't know. it's, It's like inconceivable to me, but they were the world's biggest Eddie Edwards fans. And then Elgin and Edwards were smart enough to play to those little girls. And right. Elgin was, like, haunting them, and it was it was great. It was just classic pro wrestling, and Elgin was so good here, you know? And it's like, again, a couple years ago, and definitely, like, seven, eight years ago, these guys would have went out there and just had a high tempo, go, 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 lots of high spots. And we probably would have thrown four stars out. Oh, at we would have loved
1: it. Yeah, they would have done a double, clo- uh, a clothesline spot where Elgin would have clothesline Edwards. Edwards would get up and clothesline Elgin. They'd both fall down. They'd get up. Double close eye to each other, like yeah, I I could see the match in my. I'm closing my eyes right now and seeing it in like Hammerstein Ballroom (laughs) or whatever. These two dudes doing the exact match. I can imagine them doing it, but yeah, yeah,
0: count kickouts and no selling and Japanese style fighting spirit and you know, but that listen, but it's like these guys, you know, we talk about all the time. They're maturing as workers, and that wasn't the this wasn't the right spot to have that kind of match. It's a story match, a heel and a face, classic heel versus face. With the story behind it, with the dopey trophy. And, 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 and they had that crowd in their hands like putty. And to me, without question, it was, the, it was by far easily the best worked. They were the two best wrestlers on this show to me uh, because of the way they, they brilliantly worked this match. And again, it's only a match that i go like maybe three and a quarter, three and a half on. But that's, again, another example of why sometimes I hate stars because you couldn't work this match any better. I loved it.
1: All right. And then uh, we had a match I did not love very much, Moose and Rhino. Was this any better live than it was on TV? Because it was
0: bad. No, I mean, I missed a lot of it. Spent a lot of time with Eddie Edwards in the back. Um, But what I saw was was pretty atrocious with a lot of shortcuts, with the chairs and the tables. uh, uh, Moose, who did, you know, head to the hospital legit after the match. So if you want to put a little asterisk on it Mm -hmm. for that, uh, you can go ahead and do that. Um, You know, Rhino is what he is at this point. Um, He does have a really weird crowd connection though, Rhino. Um, You know who got odd reactions on this show? Rhino in this match and TJP in the, in a match taped for impact got, a tremendous pop. Hmm. And it's like, it just goes to show, I mean, is it because these guys were in WWE in the last year, year and a half? I mean, does that really still matter in the current world? I mean, maybe it does. Um, Cause I can't think of any other reason why those two guys, I mean, you know, it's not like Rhino got a thunderous pop, but his crowd in he has a real good crowd connection and TJP got a legitimate pop coming out, at least for that portion of the card. Um, I just thought that that was notable, but um, more so than anybody else in his, they had a four-way tag team match with a bunch of, you know, you know, the rascals and my boy, Mahabali Shira, um, you know, and, and, and guys like that Daga. Um, but anyway, yeah, this was this wasn't any good, but you know,
1: and then unfortunately our seven main event was, uh was altered dramatically because rich Swan uh, turned his ankle or sprained his ankle. I forget what the exact injury they were saying the night prior uh, in, in San Antonio. So he, he was not, able to wrestle in this match, and so instead of doing a replacement, they did a handicap match. It was the North, Ethan Page, and, and, and Josh Alexander retaining their Impact Tag Team titles uh, against Willie Mack in a handicap match, and I think that severely hurt this, because this was a match I was really, really looking forward to, and I just couldn't get down with this handicap match. I think they did the best they could, given the circumstances, but to me, it just it, it just didn't work.
0: See, I thought it was really good. I liked it. Um, they did that, uh, I don't know what that was, but when Willie Mack gave Josh Alexander that I don't know, Canadian Destroyer off of Ethan Page's shoulders or what. I mean, holy shit. I thought Alexander was dead. But uh, I thought Mac worked his ass off, and I thought he was great in the match. And I really think, like you said, they made the best of a horrible situation. And I thought they ended up having a pretty good match. I thought this was probably the third best match on the show for me. Um, You know, second or third best match on the show. So um, I will differ with you there. I, I, I enjoyed this match.
1: All right, and that is, uh, that is Impact Wrestling Hard to Kill. Uh, we are right up against the clock, Joe. I think we might have to do an overrun. Are you fine with that?
0: Uh, you are the timekeeper.
1: So I'm the timekeeper, yeah. We got, we got 10 minutes to go, and we have TakeOver Blackpool. We got the Evolve game to play, and we want to talk about Noah real quick. So I think we need to go to an overrun. Um, Voiceofwrestling.com. Slash Patreon. Patreon.com. Voice of Wrestling is how you can listen to that. Uh, if you want to listen to NXT UK TakeOver uh, review, our Evolve game that we're going to play, and then uh, a recap of the uh, Pro Sing Noah stuff from 1-4 and 1-5 because, yeah, we are right up against the clock and there's no way we're going to get those three topics done uh, in just 10 minutes. So, yeah, go to Voice of Wrestling.com. Patreon, the uh, $2 tier. Uh, we'll get you the overrun for sure. But uh, $5 tier, you're, you're in. So you get, obviously, the overrun and everything else we do. Uh, but, yeah, we are, we are up against the clock. And, and yeah, that's, we're going have to have to bounce over to the overrun. So, anyway, we will see you guys. Uh, we'll talk to you guys, I should say, uh, on the overrun. But that's it for us this week. Uh, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Kreich. We'll talk to you guys next time.